welcome to episode 550 of Conversation Street, spoiler-free Coronation Street podcast with me, Gemma. And the cat. She's here as well. So am I, Michael. Hello, everybody. Hello. How are you doing? And um, we are talking about episodes broadcast. No, hang on a minute. We're talking about episodes. That will be broadcast. The episodes yet to come. Yeah, I feel like the ghost of Christmas. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, not okay. yet happened. We're talking about episodes of Coronation Street that haven't been on telly yet. Um, but we've we watched know. them. We've been given the inside scoop. I we? think we're not alone. Uh, these are the episodes that would be broadcast 27th to, to no, 23rd no, no, no. to the 27th of November, and that is 10,700. No, hang on. Oh, sorry. Yeah. 10,700. No. Oh my gosh, this is all going wrong. There we go. 10,801. Yes. And 10,008 to 10,806. This is going to be brilliant. Hello, everybody. <laughs> you had written like 200,000 episodes. Yeah, this hasn't gone that many up. Um, right, so. Um, yes. Th- this this kind of came out of the blue this week, didn't it? Um, we talked last week, well, we've been wondering for a couple of weeks on the podcast, when the World Cup's on, is Coronation Street going to be uploaded onto the hub um, like they did in the last one? And it completely kind of messed up our curry watching schedule over the course of four weeks. And and I was kind of just waiting for the announcement to be put on Twitter or wherever. And, and it never came. So I thought, oh, maybe they listened to our ranting last time they maybe did it. Maybe we're significant in some Maybe way. we made a yeah, little, little change in the future makers. Coronation Street. But no, they just sneakily put it on the ITV hub oh, on Monday morning out. without telling us about it. But uh, we found out Coronation Street and we've watched it. So we're here yeah, to right. talk about some episodes that, um, that haven't been on the telly yet. And I don't know, you know, if you haven't watched them as well yet, but you're, this is uh, downloaded onto your phone or whatever, maybe don't, don't listen to it yet. Keep it, keep it saved until Sunday night. Because, um, like Gemma said, these are going to be the 23rd to the 27th of November. That's what's been put up on the ITV hub up to this point. And that, and that takes us all the way up to Sunday. Um, so it'll probably be a normal length podcast. Um, and, and now we're not able to watch Carnation Street again for, a, for another week. Um, so, I, I, I don't really want to rant about it. Are you in a ranting mood about this? Not really. I think people probably know what we think about it because we, we said as much the last time um, ITV did this. And I get why they do it. And I also get that lots of people absolutely love this and they like a good binge of Coronation Street and it's and it's cool to be able to see it, being among the first to see it and, and all that. Um, but I'm just a bit sad that I'm not going to be able to watch Coronation Street again for a week and, and it has meant midweek podcast and everything. But... I'll live. It wasn't so bad. We had a nice little evening watching it last night, didn't we? And uh, I guess it'd be nice to get it out of the way so soon. So sorry if anybody came into this wanting a rant and um, you're welcome to the people who didn't want one. We're just going to talk about it. Um, let's hope it doesn't go back to, it doesn't stay this way. But it does make me think, um, we talked last week about the, the ITVX kind of semi-launching, soft-launching early, didn't we? Because that was supposed to come out the first week or two of December, but then if you went onto you know the ITVX website, yes, not necessarily last week, it all, all went on there. So um, we, I I think they must have done it. I don't know. Do you think it's coincidence that it launched early and no, now they're doing these? Feels box like sets? it also feels like it hasn't properly launched because the hub isn't hasn't changed as as the, as the app has it. They haven't got it an app for it yeah no it, we we signed up to ITVX um just the you know we got a seven day free trial and then probably over the next three weeks or the next next month we'll we'll keep that going just so we don't have to watch the adverts which was a nice experience I have to say but yeah we just watched it through our ITV hub app on the TV 
I'm still not completely sure about what the difference is between ITV Hub and ITVX. It kind of seems exactly the same, do you? Oh, <laughs> no, you it's not. It's a new revolution in streaming. <laughs> I, d- I don't really get it. It feels exactly the same. There's nothing new on it. Well, I'm, no, maybe there is. I don't know because I haven't compared. Probably there's loads new. But um, in terms of Coronation Street, it's exactly the same as it ever was. No brand new uh, classic episodes, as far as I know, loaded up there. Um... I don't, I don't get it, and it says it's you know the first one that's, you can it's free, but it's you can also get adverts. But I don't, isn't that the same as all for? I don't know. You you can go onto the ITV website and watch a forty eight minute, I think, um, d- not a documentary, like a, a panel talking about how revolutionary ITVX is. Um, we haven't done that. If anybody has and wants to give us a little, give uh, us the bullet points. TLDR. Then what the hell is then the let difference? Us know. It's not sponsored by Domino's anymore. <laughs> is it? Just, Ooh, oh, revolutionary. Yeah. Um, oh, there's no logo in the corner when you watch it. Although there was still for us because we watched it on the ITV Hub. I, I don't know. Maybe don't... they're just hoping to, to push more people towards um, streaming on ITV. Oh, I, I don't know. But I guess it will become apparent in the next few weeks. Um, yeah. So that's that's it, really. That that was our little adventure. Watched well, it last night. It is kind of annoying Talking that it's it all being pushed away because of the World Cup. Mm. And I was thinking uh, this week about the World Cup and all the controversy and it stuff is a bit, about isn't it. it and um it occurred to me that coronation street have really really missed out on a, an important issue storyline where james could have raised the the issue yeah. that he literally couldn't go if he if he had been picked to be on the on the team not they would let's just yeah address the elephant in the room not actually good at football, as far as we can tell. Um, <laughs> the only time we've seen him playing, he collapsed. <laughs> yeah, um, and we didn't see him kicking the ball, did we? <laughs> no, we didn't. Did so we? can't speak to his talents. But had had England, you know, really just, just believed in him. Yeah, and given him a place on the squad. <laughs> God, I know you'll get better. <laughs> he wouldn't have been able to play. He wouldn't would have he? been able to play, and if he'd gone, would he have been executed? What the hell? I don't know. And you know, we we were talking about. Oh, it was really great. It's so great. All these um, that that things seem to be very, very slowly getting better because we've got, you know, one person who's dared to speak up and say in the uh, in professional leagues, you know, I'm, I'm a gay man. Mm. That guy wouldn't be able to play football in, in the cup. No. And it's... this, you know, where they're holding it, women can't play football. It's 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 awful. Why like, are they? I'm not I'm not interested I, in football. I, I know you're no, not but, interested. But I like football. Like, it's unbelievable. I like watching the World Cup and I like watching, you Did know, you when when England. England no, I'm not going to watch it. That's what I was going to say. Okay. I'm not going to watch a single match. Yes. I feel really bad for our team because they have got a good chance. Mm. They work really hard, and it's all been ruined because of greedy football people. Mm. Yeah, it's bad. It is. It's, FIFA. Uh, it's and not I, I don't, and I know also. Um, I know that people are going to be listening to this who don't agree with me. Who say, "Oh, too political," blah blah blah. It's not a gay person's fault that their existence has been made political by people. They don't want to be political. They just want to live their lives and get on with it. Mm. Kick a few balls around the pitch. What's wrong with that? Um, those are footballers. <laughs> are different from gay people. Yes. Although they're too overlap they, sometimes. They do. They do. But um... how many people on that team? are closeted because they're terrified. Mm. It's ridiculous. Yes, it is. Um, do you want yeah, to do so a quiz? Um, <laughs> gosh, that was sobering, wasn't it? Anyway, I'll just well, go back to the I ITV Hub thing. Oh, all I want God to say, sake. this isn't a rant, I'm just hoping that when this is all over, 
They don't say. And now it's the proper launch of ITVX and Coronation Street is going to be on Monday mornings every week for everybody. I just don't like the idea that people watch it before me and I know that's really entitled of me and I don't want to watch it, binge watch every Monday. But we must. I hope I hope that people like that we're getting this out early, those people that are uh, that have also binged like us. And I thought it was quite a good week as well, to be honest. But yes, no more talk of that. Let's have a quiz. Let's hope I do better than the last few weeks because I haven't got a good record at the moment. Off you go. I'm just looking at bins on Amazon. We do need a new kitchen bin. We haven't, we got haven't had one since bin. we moved in. Michael, we need a new kitchen bin. We've never owned a kitchen bin. We have owned a kitchen bin. We have in the old house for a little bit. Went rusty. <laughs> right, go on, go on, go on. Quiz, 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 quiz. Things that happen between the 21st and the 25th of November. Yeah. Why are you looking at the date like I've got it wrong? No, I'm not. I'm not. This is this week. It's fine. And years ending in two and a seven from Coronation Street at Fandom.com. That's where I got the information from. Mm-hmm. 21st of November and I didn't put the year in. Oh, It's wow. a year ending in a two and a Did seven. Did you put the years for the other ones? Yeah. Okay. Who is it that turns on Fizz's sewing machine while she's using it? That was, um... That was Kirsty. What's her name? Kirsty Soames. Yes. But... Oh yeah, that was 2012, wasn't it? Yeah. Point for me. Yeah. 22nd of November, 19th. Michael's taken the marking paper from me. I'm scoring myself this week. I don't agree I've with I've got it. one out of one. 22nd of November, 1972. Which character tells Alf he's also up for mayor without knowing that Alf is also in the running? So 1972, mm. there's a character who's up for mayor. Yeah. And he's talking to Alf about it. Okay. Len Fairclough. Yeah. 22nd of November 2017, what medical issue does Robert discover and what does it lead to? Robert discovers a medical condition? Yeah. Oh, testicular cancer. Yeah. What does it lead to? Yeah. Getting treated for testicular cancer. They've got to remove... Yeah. A chap. Disball him. Dis- disball him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 23rd of November 1987 which character dies of a heart attack that was caused by a recent burglary which which oh Joan Lowther yes we talked about her last week I didn't even hear the year but I know I remember 27th no 24th of November 2017 who does Pat set up for Seb Franklin falling off a ladder Anna Windass I still think she did it I think she did it too (laughs) 25th of November 1987 Mavis is upset when Derek Decides to return to his estranged wife. What is her name? Angela Hawthorne. Yes. I cannot hear the, the name Angela without thinking of Angela from the office. <laughs> I think I usually think of Angela Hawthorne when I think really? of the name Angela, yeah. 25th of November 1992. Why does Kimberly Taylor break off her engagement with Curly Watts? Oh, this is the gosh. final question. Why did she break off with her? 1992? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um. Oh, I'm gonna say something that's wrong. Um. Oh no. No. What are you gonna do? Say something. Right. And then you'll say, "I'll say the answer," and you'll say, "Oh no, that's what I was just thinking." I'd really want to get a full marks this time. Yeah. Well, you're so close. Is it? Mm. No. Mm. Oh gosh, there's so many reasons. It's not to do with his telescope, is it? Is that an, a question <laughs> or an answer? I've lost track of the years. Isn't there a, isn't there a TV, isn't there a quiz where you, you have to answer a question? 
with a you, no, they definitely. give you the answer and you have to give yeah. them a question. You'd be brilliant at that. <laughs> Is the answer this? Oh gosh, I don't know. He's pestering her for sex. Why don't Wrong. you just tell? Okay, you you. Right. You, so I'm thinking it could be something to do with him pestering her for sex. It could be something to do with him being more interested in his telescope than it is with her. It could be something to do with the fact that he's <laughs> got fed up with his mum, with her mum and dad, mummy and daddy Taylor. Um, it could be that she just fancies her cousin. Could be. Is it any of those? Um, no, I need, you to, I need you. I'm not. I'm looking at a fire-resistant mat, mat to, to put a fire pit on the on the decking. Oh, I'm gonna say it's the telescope one. Yes. Yeah. You got it right. I got it right. So oh, what you was scared the, the cat. What was the exact reason? Sorry, Abby. Because he wouldn't give up his telescope. Yes. Seven out of seven. Nice. Well back in. Back of the <laughs> net, as they say in World Cup talk. Yes, they do. Anyone got a birthday coming up soon? I've got I've got actually a new birthday. Have you? Mm-hmm. Go on then. I've got two new birthdays, but one of them's an old birthday. Um, also from Coronation Street, Pedia. <laughs> uh, 26th of November, Pat Phoenix. <gasps> Wow, Paid out Tanner, director Phoenix. Oscar Whitbread, and Paddy Beaver. That's a Paddy Beaver's birthday. Coming Max up Turner the second Saturday. Saturday. Happy birthday! Happy nice birthday! Happy birthday! Twenty um, eighth of November. Producer Michael Cox, who's the new person, also, but I think he's um, an old person. Yes. Charles Dale, who played Dennis Stringer. Graham Hawley played John Stape. Who? How topical. That is topical. Do you think that will come up? No, because no. it's the actor. Emma <laughs> Emerson, who played Mel Morton. 29th of November, Owen Anaronovich, who played John, John Lindsay. Lindsay. Well done. Mm-hmm. 30th of November, Connor McIntyre, who played Pat, Pat Phelan. Sterling Gallagher, who played Paula Martin. And the 1st of December is Chloe Newsom, who was Vicky McDonald the second. That's a good, good back What a birthday, lovely crop this, of Corrie babies. Gonna be in, we're going to be in December by the end of next week, are we? Yes, nearly have been calendar gonna season. I'm going to get paid. Christmas pay for me. I haven't... I spend it all on candles <laughs> and holly. Oh, I get paid tomorrow. Brilliant. Yeah, you do, I know. Um, I know when you get paid. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it is coming up to December soon. I haven't designed a Christmas podcast well, cover. I've got no full. ideas. I might do a variation on last year's one because everybody liked that one. I'll What's that? Say, you know, it was it was the it was the ducks pulling Santa's sleigh across oh, the yeah. moon. People enjoyed that, so I might yeah. just do the same thing, but I'll steal a different background picture to put the the ducks flying okay, across. Okay, yeah, good idea. Unless I'm struck by inspiration, I really don't have that great Photoshop and skills. If anybody wants um, to know any gift ideas for Michael and I, um, I am in the market to buy some woods. Woods. I want to buy some woods. Yeah. Oh, you know those signs like you're driving along the motorway and it says woodland for sale. I want some. I've decided. I've been watching this uh, YouTube channel called Kent Survival, and he seems to own his own woods and he goes and sits in it and he cooks his breakfast on a stone. I'm so inspired. I don't, don't buy it, please. I don't want, <laughs> I want to have to be accompanying Gemma to her woods and freezing out there. I want to cook myself stew I'm not a lover of the great outdoors. in a cauldron over an open fire in the middle of my own woods <laughs> and that's all I've ever wanted since today I don't know what I want for Christmas I don't think well it could it's alright though listeners um, you don't need to send me anything I'm alright wood starting from £75,000 and up <laughs> shall we or to actually I'm going to I'm going to segue more better speaking of woods would you like to talk about this week's coronation? <laughs> what a great caliber! More puns, puns to come, everybody. Oh, you better Let's wait. Let's get on to street talk. <laughs> 
Hello everybody, and here is our street talk section of the week. I don't know why I said hello, I said hello at the beginning of the podcast, but hello again, welcome back after that brief musical interlude. Welcome and, back um, to the show. Yeah, we, we've got, we, we've been watching all our Coronation Streets on the ITV hub, we've seen it, we're getting them out early. Um, I still think this, the YouTube upload of this is going to be on Sunday night, I guess, once the episode's been on, but... Anyway, so this week's storyline tells you. You're having a look. I told you not to look. Oh, I'm not actually. I'm literally staring. We're starting off with a Dobbs Stape storyline. We had called that the Book of John um, up till this point, but a new name for this week's development. Now, Gemma, just just to set a bit of context for this one, you know that auction program um, called Homes Under the Hammer? Yeah. I'm calling this one Hope Under the Hammer. (laughs) <laughs> no. You can't look at it with your eyes. Hope under the hammer. No. Under, under the hammer. Tell you what, you could have used that yeah. pun to describe Elizabeth Holmes being sentenced to years in prison, even though she's pregnant. No. Holmes under the hammer. Next up, we've got the return of To Murderer He Wrote. So Sam and Harvey this week, jolly good. There was also um combined with a Debbie in Debt storyline. We have a returning character from 13 years ago. Martha is back, isn't she? Martha Stewart. Martha barges back, I'm calling this one. Because nice. of her barge. Yeah. She hasn't got her barge anymore. She doesn't She's on have, solid ground. She doesn't have her barge anymore, but I'm calling it that anyway. And uh, then we have got the Maxtremism storyline, the Summer Baby storyline. <laughs> I can't believe that's back already. And um, I was wondering, you remember my, uh, we, we couldn't think of a good name for the Eliza storyline last week. Um, well, she had a few little scenes this week and it turns out that she um, has lots of after-school activities and is running Stu Ragged with all of that. So, of course, it makes perfect sense to call this storyline Eliza Do Lots. Yeah, like yeah. Do Little, but do... Like do little bit. Why didn't you call it Eliza Do Lottle? <laughs> because Do Lots is fine. Lottle's not a word. Gemma's just poured herself another glass of wine. I think that listening to my, listening to my terrible puns and storyline titles is like, I need to refill this tankard. So um, I don't drink wine from a tankard. I'm a lady. <laughs> um, right, I so... I drink it from a very nice glass that I got from Anthropology, actually. <laughs> so, all the episodes are on the Hub this week. Um, ITV tweeted that out on Monday morning saying, it's an extra treat. All episodes are no. ready to binge as a box set each Monday it's morning. It here you go, you But remember, assholes. no spoilers. What? Here you go. Here's your life ruined for the next month. No, no, no. Lots of people like them coming out early. <laughs> Not everybody has to do a Coronation Street podcast. Well, I thought, hang on. On a weekday what, night. Who, what? Not in there. It's just, it's just What, is this voluntary? A few. <laughs> oh, no. You rumbled me. Um, you, would you like to do the Hope story or would you like to do the Sam story? Uh, I do hope. I do hope. You do hope. You do I hope. I think she's Hope and great. the hammer. Wednesday. Fizz and Tyrone are pleased to hear the book's already dropped out of the top 20 and Hope goes off to school. Um, uh, you've got something about Leanne here. Is this the same story? Uh, no, this is a different story. Uh, Tyrone goes to clear the books from the outhouse. This is so bizarre to me. Trying to put this into context. We watched them all together. Why and this, this just happened yesterday, but so yeah. did everything else. Yeah. It's really hard to keep things it. in a chronological spaced out yeah. way. Anyway, so I, he... lo- I like it when he opened the outhouse door and the John Staper uh, cut out nearly fell onto him. And, and he went, Whoa. nice little jump scare there. Like that, yeah. Um, he clears, goes to clear the books out from the outhouse, but it's they're not there. So he assumes that Fizz has done it. Meanwhile, Hope's in the changing rooms and she's surrounded by classmates 
who uh, and telling them what an awesome criminal her dad was and how he never got caught by the police. Yeah, they said, oh, he died. They said, like, he died though. He, yeah, he, he did. Master he, criminal. Like, he, yeah, he never, yeah he never got caught. So in your face, um, Tyrone says to Fizz about these books, and she's like, no, I didn't do anything. So they're really confused about where these books are gone. Meanwhile, we see where the books are because Hope has the stack of them and she's signing them and charging a fiver per copy. <laughs> and this is the sort of silly kids maths that I used to indulge in when I was a kid where you don't buy the product, you just sell it for a profit and actually it costs less than it did to buy originally. I actually made £75 on Monday, so that's Fair a... Fair oh, And also I Alan said to Sugar you... would be proud of her. Being I remember, when I was a kid, I used to get £5 a week for my... Um, pocket money when I was in secondary school and um, I, that used to be enough money to get on the bus to town and have a McDonald's and come back <laughs> and so I said to you like do you children really get have cash on them like do they really would they really have five pounds and you said yeah I don't know well secondary school children secondary school children I guess but I don't know we're obviously being very out of touch with that I assume that children carry uh, money to them to school so they can buy their lunches but then also I, I've heard tell that some secondary schools like have special fingerprint sensors or whatever for, for children to pay and it's like it was all cashless I would so imagine I, I that there's know. not a lot of cash taken in schools no but that doesn't matter Hope just needs to get herself a, uh, a card reader if uh, she needs if to sign up with to her. Square Fizz and Tyrone get home and speak to Hope about these books and they're like just tell us the truth where did the books go and she says oh I saw them I was in shock and I had to get rid of them so I put them in a skip on Tile Street I don't want to talk about it and Fizz gives her a hug and Hope's smiling over her shoulder so evilly. I just love this child so much. Hope goes to visit Sam and she's buzzing about earning £75 because she's so popular. And even some year 11 spoke to her for the first time in her life. Her dad is doing something right for her. And Sam's obviously a bit... Uh, uh, he can see that it's not all going to end well. No, he doesn't seem to be that as enthusiastic as she is. <laughs> she comes... Well, he's saying to her as well, like, these year 11s are not your friends. And she's like, yes, they are. They are Maybe now, yeah. Great. Uh, she goes back home and she wants to get go to bed early. And Tyrone and Fizz are very suspicious, but um, they can't really work out what she's up to. Um, but upstairs, she's looking at her text messages and she's had a load of uh, them from her satisfied customers who want more, more. So she texts back to let them know that tomorrow she's going to plan a special tribute to John Stape. The legacy of evil lives on. <laughs> I always find whenever the characters are having these text message conversations on Coronation Street, sometimes um, they'll kind of program into the phone a couple of the previous text messages, don't they? But it's never quite enough. So it looks like Hope had received like three messages from these people. They could have at least made a screenful worth so, I we could, whether, so it looked like she'd been inundated. I wonder whether they don't do it because people wouldn't have time to, to read everything and it's not important. I don't know. I don't know. So anyway. Thursday, the girls are getting ready for school and Hope is, is learning her own shoes. Stop reading my words. She was, she's, she's, she's polishing them. <laughs> she's polishing her of own course. shoes. I, I don't know why they're autocorrected to learning, but I'm sure if you'd watched the programme, you'd have known exactly what she was doing. I actually shoes. watched it very closely this week, Michael. <laughs> she wants to get, she wants to go on the bus again. She doesn't mean doesn't want to be taken in anymore and um when she, when her parents go i don't know who's there with her but another kid is 
Um, oh, she talked to herself. She needs to organise something special for the, the book signing. Nice Sam comes around. So she gets the toolbox out and she says she wants to make a big impression. And Sam <laughs> says, is this something to do with those year 11 girls? Then they're not really your, uh, your friend, you know. And Hope says, they better be or I'll kill them. <laughs> <laughs> Biz tells Sally and Faye that she's worried that Beth is, is looking at her funny. This is at work, wasn't at it? At work, in the factory. She's sure that she's read the book. And uh, this was uh, previously last week. Was it? Carla said, "Don't nobody read the book. Don't bring it in. Don't yeah, talk a about of weeks it." Ago, I think. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know where she's getting off at the moment. Can I just say, Carla's been weird. She's acting like the school head mistress, and I know that she's always had a weird relationship with the factory girls, and she treats them like children. But it felt even more pronounced this week. Didn't well, it? I think part of it is because of Summer being there, and like Summer calls her miss at yeah, one point. Yeah, I know point, that was hilarious. She? Because yes, miss. He is definitely giving off heavy headmistress vibes there. Yeah, on a bit of a power trip. It's not even like a nice, you know, a normal head teacher. It's like Miss Trunchbull vibes. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of. It's a bit like, you know, when Mike used to be there in the factory and he ruled with an iron rod, didn't they? And, um, I know, but I, Car- I know Carla has always to... been a bit like this, but I just felt like it went beyond, uh, you know, yeah. into sort of parody, mm-hmm. almost. So, um, everyone's telling Fizz that, oh, look, I know the book's out, but people aren't going to think about badly about you. It's, it's okay. And then Fizz goes off and Beth's like, course I've read it look here you go she whips out and Sally's like I would never lower myself uh, to reading that I promised my friend I wouldn't and then Beth's like really because there's a whole lot in here about uh, there's a racy passage in here about Rosie I can't believe I forgot but I also more so cannot believe that Sally forgot that Rosie was one of John State's first victims and it might behoove her to read the book to see if she was mentioned I at all. Remember. I'm sure we've had a conversation before. I don't know whether it was on the podcast or not about about the fact that this would have Rosie in it and so Sally would clearly want to be interested in reading it. But you're right, I don't, I don't get why Sally hadn't joined the dots there. If there's basically this biography of John Stape, why wouldn't it mention one of his biggest crimes that, was that like he his... kidnapped her daughter was twice? Was it not the first thing he ever did? Yeah, basically. That was what set him on his route to evil. Yeah, it's basically um, her fault for being too sexy. Which is, which is why it was, biz- it was bizarre why it was bizarre that um, Fizz, when, when later on, she says, oh, there's only two pages on Well, Rosie. we'll get to that. Because like, that's stupid as well. <laughs> so, um, so, so she, like, grabs the book off her and starts reading it, like, disgusted. Um, Tyrone comes home later. He's got a flat pack desk from Big Garth. Remember him? He worked at the um, market. Big Garth from from Goodnight Sweetheart. It's a present to hope to show that they see that she's growing up. And this, this, like, the whole week was just full of um, parental guilt from Tyrone, of all people, about how hope has been affected by this book. And really, Tyrone shouldn't be the one that's grovelling. I know that he's had big history of recently betraying the family which I'm glad she hasn't forgotten but really <laughs> let's not forget that it was Fizz that was married to Stape yeah why isn't she getting the brunt of this why doesn't she feel guilty <laughs> so 
Meanwhile at school, Hope is drumming up support for her latest reading. She's going to recount the gory events of the tram crash week. <laughs> she's got the she's got the video. She's got the YouTube up. She's got got the the episode. Yeah. Everyone's going to see. Probably get a signed script from the cast oh, and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She said, "Oh, we're going to say the, the events of December the 9th, twenty twelve. She's like, "Guess what? Here's a bit of trivia to wet your whistle. <laughs> Dev wasn't even supposed to be in it originally. How oh, about yeah, that? that was that one, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be Fred Elliott. Yeah. Fizz catches Sally reading the book and Sally's like, well, I didn't know it had Rosie in it. I can't believe you allowed them to publish this. Why didn't you try harder to stop it? And Fizz is like, oh, it's only two pages. Why? Well, this is also like, we did try really, really hard. I can't believe you're getting mad about this. There's two pages on Rosie. Well, the rest of it's about my whole family. Of course I tried. It's also a bit funny. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think of it, but I'm not Fizz and Tyrone. But why didn't they go to Sally and go, Rosie's in this book. We can get it stopped, but we need money. Have you got any money that we can use? Yeah, that is a really good point, actually. Because, like, then Sally would have no legs to stand on to complain to them. They didn't write this bloody book. I wouldn't have an issue with with Fizz, because I believe in a free press, and I don't think anyone should be allowed to stop a book being published if it's true, which it bloody well is. Yeah. I would be mad at Fizz, if I was Sally, for all the things that she did with John Stape. Yeah. That were literal crimes. But hey. I'm surprised that Sally's not more worried about the fact that, that maybe it drops her in it because she fancied John Stave, didn't she? Didn't yeah. she try to try well, it on with him a little bit before only... he was getting out of Fizz? Or maybe it was Joran, I don't remember. If there's only two pages in it about Rosie, I don't think anyone's picked up on the fact that uh, Sally was lusting after the sexy English teacher. No, clearly not. It's, it's... She should count her lucky stars because that doesn't reflect too well on her. No, it it seems like it's a it's an unfinished book. This I know that it seems like the main source of information was Hope, and there's no reason to know there's no reason to think that Hope would really know the details about Rosie Webster. But I would have thought, and I can't remember that when Rosie was eventually released, she probably did speak to her all and sundry say, about Michael, it. There's probably plenty of information say, the reader, author could have drawn from. There, there's literally a bit where. It's pointed out to Sally that Rosie sold her story. Oh, did it? I can't remember. I didn't hear that bit. So, yeah. so, <laughs> so the, all of all the things that happened to Rosie are on public record. So, why Sally's mad about this, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, anyway, I mean, nobody wants that sort of thing dragging up again, do they? But... <sighs> well, Sally's Sally's not sympathetic at all to Fizz. I wish they had just written that there are only two chapters about Rosie rather than two pages because it just really rang wrong it's, to it's me. It's still a fairly chunky tome, isn't it? It's a ma- it felt like it was a pretty long book. And you said to me when they said, oh, it's only two pages, you're like, what is in the book then? Yeah. Because that was quite a big chunk of it. <laughs> and also, it's pretty salacious. I know. Like, And also, it makes him a paedophile. Yeah. Anyway... I let's don't know not, why Sally's mad about it. it because it may, like her kid. Well, I I would be mad if I was a mum and the book wrote her in as some kind of sexy schoolgirl who seduced a teacher because yeah. that's really wrong. I'd get myself on. I get. I'd even lower myself to being on the sofa with Holly and Phil if I if I had to 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 spread the message that my daughter was an innocent victim who just had a very short skirt. <laughs> totally chased. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so uh, the book is right. She Sally says to Fizz that Hope is taking after her dad. Things get very heated. Carla comes out. She's like, for God's sake, I told you guys, you're not allowed this book. Um, and she takes the book and she orders Beth into her office. It feels like, you know, a lot of what they're saying about the book, a really strong message is that 
could Hope be a psycho as well? Because people keep mentioning it, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know she why the book would go. It's, it's true, it but I don't know why sense. the book would go with that angle particularly. It but. feels like a very problematic publication. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I don't think you'd be allowed to write that about a kid. <laughs> so she wasn't named though. It's fine. <laughs> the female child. So uh, Beth's, Beth's in the headmaster's office trying to defend herself. She's going, oh, why would I not read it? It's full of juicy gossip about people I work with. Who wouldn't read it? And Carla says, you're suspended. Um, but Beth, like, wheedles her way out of it. But she's Poor on a leadership, final Carla. Ward- don't let people do that. What? Don't, if you've just yeah. suspended somebody, but, don't let them talk you out of it. But also don't suspend people because you're in a bad mood. No. <laughs> Carla's probably quite grateful. Like, oh, I've probably gone too far here. Oops. All right, go on then. But then Beth's like, back. okay, um, you have to, Carla says you've got to apologise to Sally. Can you stop that? Sorry, I'm just, I'm just clicking the plugs because I've realised the laptop's not plugged in. Now it is. So... Carla tells Beth she has to apologise to Sally. And Beth's like, can I have my book back? And Carla's like, no. And I'd be like, um, that's theft. Well, it's just like confiscation. Again, it's like a teacher. You can have it at the end of the day. I'm going to give it to your mum. And you yeah. can tell her why you had that book in your, in your, in your <laughs> yeah. bag at the sewing machine. No, it'd be more like, you can tell your son, Officer Craigie, why <laughs> yeah. you were reading this disgusting, salacious novel. <laughs> I did like that they had those sewing machine scenes, if only yeah. briefly. That was almost, classic dare I say, curry. a classic old school curry there. I think we maybe saw four of them sewing at once. Brilliant. Or at least sitting by I the I really enjoyed machine. that, yeah. Later on, desk's been made. Fizz wants chamomile tea and she finds a stash of cash that Hope had put there earlier. Why does she not put it in her room? <laughs> that, 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 yeah, she, she is, Hope, when she, when she was counting out at 75, wasn't she? She got down the top and uh, picked out the tin and put it there. That was bizarre. That was like asking to be found by someone. A little bit. Um, Tyrone realises his hammer's missing as well. And uh, no alarm bells are ringing quite yet, but... Well, they're they're like, oh, I wonder where Where it is. Where is this? Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, we go to school with uh, with Hope. And can I just ask everybody, do you guys recognise one of the girls that was in this scene? There's a girl in there who looks very familiar to me. And I don't know if she's related to somebody who's famous or has been in Coronation Street or if I'm just... Crazy. I do. I didn't recognise it. it was one, of, one of those so-called Year Eleven girls who looked a little bit younger. Than she year really, really, she really looked familiar to me. And I tried to look up the the actor's name because I didn't know what the character was called. And I tried to look up the two people I didn't recognise who I assumed were girls in the scene, and I couldn't find anything. Mystery. Any, any, any ideas? Anybody? Anyway, Hope is um, the the crowds are gathering for her big. Uh, reading and reenactment. She's, she's going outside to check that the coast is clear and then she hears the girl say oh, oh Hope's a freak oh I, I, I'm glad I didn't miss this because she's an absolute lunatic and yeah. then she gets annoyed her worshipping her murderous dad brilliant she strides in she pulls the hammer from the rucksack and says what did you say <laughs> <laughs> in their tea break room Sally apologises genuinely to Fizz and even Beth sounds like she means it as well 
and um, Fizz is kind of accepting, but then she gets a frantic call from Tyrone because the school wants to see them. And it's all a Crawshaw, and she has summoned them to a classroom because she doesn't have her own office still. <laughs> I th- they really, really, really should give Miss Crowshaw her own office, shouldn't they? Uh, or just, you know, promote her to head teacher. We haven't seen Mr. Griffin for a long time. Um, I, I get that there's only so many rooms that they can use, but it. It is bizarre that um, that everything seems to be going on in that room. If they were going to have it going on in that room, they could have at least had it like all in disarray and carnage where Hope actually did smash up the place, you know, Betty, uh, Becky Granger style or Harvey Gaskell style, I suppose. But um, we, we, would, we were denied that joy of seeing been... her going postal on the, uh, the other uh, students. If there had been like a dent on a desk or something, it would have been great. Mm. So anyway, Orla tells them that um, Hope is with a teacher and earlier on she tried to reenact John Stapes' murder of Charlotte Hoyle with a hammer. And it's a bit of a sore subject around these parts because actually, don't forget that a lot of the teachers who work here knew Charlotte and John and it's brought back some very painful memories. And Mr Graham has decided to take early retirement because of the stress. I tell you what, if he's been a teacher for long enough that he can retire, this can't, surely can't have been enough to push him off the edge. <laughs> I know. There's probably been a lot worse stuff going on. Must than have that. been the last straw. I it thought, must have been. I, I liked how they did um you know do the callbacks. It, it made sense that that was numerous great. members of staff would have remembered um, I thought Charlotte that was, and I think, John. But yeah. they just went a bit too far no, to say the sheer thought of it made a geography think, teacher retire. I think Mr. Graham's like, I'm getting out of this joint. These kids are psychopaths. <laughs> I mean, if you thought that children were bringing weapons to school like that and, and threatening to smash up the place, it probably would be quite scary, to be honest. But no, I, I thought that that was... Um... You're just jealous because you can't take early retirement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, poor Mr. Graham. So, uh, Fizz is trying to grovel and apologise, and all is all is going. Oh, there's book, there's been book signings, there's been murder reenactments. I'm sorry, but we've got to suspend hope for a week. So, back at home, Tyrone's trying to look on the bright side because he still feels guilty and he feels responsible for Hope going off the deep end because of everything he did with with Elena. Pop. Yeah, well, he's also they're also a bit guilty that they weren't able to stop the book being published, and when he went a bit mad and punched Nick, and then he went a bit mad again and punched the author, and so it's it, there's more recent yeah, so. um, reasons for for Hope to bear a grudge. Um, Fizz is not very positive about this, and she thinks that Hope needs to see the therapist again ASAP. And honestly, I'm quite surprised that Orla Crawshaw didn't say we've arranged for somebody to. Because she obviously is incredibly troubled. Mm. She needs to see a child psychologist. Well, it sounds like I, I don't know. I guess she must have have one already. This isn't this isn't the first meeting that no, I had think with this so. with this lady. So uh, yeah. probably got her on speed dial at number probably. nine. Now, yeah, right. Guess what she's up to now. On the rampage again. No, not a fire this time. A hammer. Um, Hope is at home later. She's very ineffective. She doesn't really care. She hears about Mr. Graham. She thinks it's funny. <laughs> Tyrone says that. Um, me and your mum are very disappointed in you. And then Hope says, are you going to leave us again like you did before? And Tyrone's like, no, we're f- your family. I would never. Of course not. I'll never make such a mistake again. So this is, you know, what really triggers him even further to become a big doormat. Yeah. If only he had thought of this when he was shagging Alina Pop. <laughs> Hope goes upstairs and uh, Fizz tells him he needs to stop worrying her. And, and um, 
you know, let her know that she's not going to leave. And he says, of course I won't. In fact, I'm going to take a week off to spend with Hope. What an idiot. Well, one of them needs to, to be honest. I guess they haven't got Evelyn. No. What do you do if your kid's been suspended for a week? You you find alternative provision. It's like, it's up to you. That's, yeah. It's, it's well, more it's of, not in a many ways, it is more of a punishment for the parents yeah. because they have to do something about it. This is the thing. Hopefully like... the annoyance of those parents gets transferred onto the child and they maybe feel a bit guilty about it, but not hope in this case. She's loving it. Well, this is the problem about teaching schools like treating schools like their babysitting services, mm. and it's not really anyone's fault, is it? It's not the parents' fault. No, um, it's the way society is. I don't know whether you can go to like a pupil referral unit just for a week or something. What do you do? Yeah, I don't know. Because it's not. It's not that you know the school can't. The school's got to be able to say you can't have your kid with a hammer in school. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, so. This just sounds too tough for me. This is why I don't want to have kids. It's too complicated. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tyrone talks to, to Hope about this plan and uh, he she says, oh, can I have a blanket? First of all, she says, oh, can we have the heating on? He's like, what do you think? We're made of money? Oh, yeah. They, they, they twice in that episode, they brought up the cost of living crisis, didn't they? Yeah. So uh, they're finally caught up in Weatherfield. Ugh. Um. Are they going to have a sit... You know, I know that lots of people are kind of like Tyrone where they're like, well, I'm not going to have the heating on. But there are people who are like, well, I can't feed my children now, you know? Are mm. they going to have that kind of story? Is it just going to be fairly well-off people? And like, I you don't know. know. I mean, Tyrone and, and Fizz obviously aren't loaded, but they're, you know, it's got bit... enough money that they don't... They, they, he can take her out for buying clothes. Yeah, and, then, and he can take a week off work. And pizza. I mean, it's a bit like a, the pandemic kind of thing, isn't it? Coronation Street paid lip service to it, and they yeah. had people wearing the masks, but they didn't have a proper COVID story because they, they didn't want to... Um, I think it was the right call. ...to wallow in it. And maybe this is the same agree. thing. They'll mention there's a cost of living crisis, but they don't. people don't want to be reminded... No, I agree with it. ...just um, how much money we're, we're wasting away. What are you talking about? What? I don't think you know what you're talking about. I do. What? We're not wasting money oh, no, away. No, no, I didn't. I, that, uh, that is the wrong word. You know, spending. We're not spending money. We haven't got money. That's the problem. We are being charged lots of money for our bills. I I agree. I kind of agree money. with this approach because I've had to take Sky News off my phone now. All the way through the pandemic, I had it on. I, it wasn't... I did... Once I realised that um, I, I was kind of pretty sure I wasn't going to die of COVID, I, was, I wasn't too worried about it, even though it was horrible. But this I can't cope with. I'm so terrified. This, I, this is gonna. When you said you'd taken Sky News off your phone, I thought you were gonna say oh, I've unsubscribed or something. Like, what does that mean? Well, you know, this, this, I've, I've tried to save money by no, not having I just Sky can't news. read news. I, I also do. You, you took um, Sky News off of my phone when COVID pandemic, just started, yeah. didn't you? Because I was could, like, I was really panicking about yeah. it, and I haven't had it back, and like, I, I, I I've can't not, cope I've with not it. missed it, and I'm, I'm not reading stuff about what's going on. In Russia, and I was no, like, I don't, none of that bothers me. I, I'm ignorance is bliss but really at the, the moment. I'm the sticking my head in the sand about it. The situation is terrifying to me. I'm sure I'm going to lose my job at some point, and I don't know what we're going to do. So that's just horrible. Let's not think about it. That's why I don't really want Coronation Street to go there. But again, it's will it help people that are going through it to see it on screen? I don't know. Anyway, um. She gets left alone on the sofa, does Hope, and so she gets a walkie-talkie out to talk to Sam, and she says, oh, I've got my dad wrapped on my little finger, but I'm going to make him pay for letting me down. (laughs) 
So on Sunday, um, rightfully so, this isn't actually Sunday, this is some, at some point during the week, I guess this is supposed to be Friday. Um, Ruby's not pleased to see that Hope is getting breakfast in bed and she has to go to school, mm. Sunday school. <laughs> um, she's right. Hope is just being lavish with attention. Yeah, she's been pandered to, isn't she? Yeah. She's getting a fry up. She gets she gets pizza at the end of the episode. She gets to go out it's, go out to yeah. get loads of new clothes. This episode just kind of bookended with Ruby getting, yeah, rightfully Annoyed. indignant about yeah. the way that Hope is being treated like a princess. If I was Ruby, this should be some kind of punishment. I'd be like, Well this isn't fair. My mum was a criminal too. How come there's not a book about her? Yeah. Why can't she just because she didn't she's kill be reenacting the uh some of Kirsty's crimes. I think she's going to go hope with a with, with a, a, with a yeah, She's, she's going to go to the cleaners' cupboard and get out old Henry and yeah. start um, <laughs> fashioning the schoolmates over the head with it. So um, Hope goes to therapy and she says, oh, "I was angry at, at Tyrone for not stopping the book." And I think the only reason that I was suspended was because Mrs. Crawshaw and Mrs. Hoyle were friends. So she doesn't get it. Still, she's not really understanding what she's done particularly wrong. She no. thinks it's all a big conspiracy out, out to get her. Um, and then Tyrone's trying to get her to do her homework later and, and she says no I want to go to the Trafford Centre and then they come back and they eat pizza on the sofa and Ruby comes home and she's like where's my pizza mm-hmm. and Fizz is like "Oh, there's a casserole in the fridge just imagine Ooh. if, um, if the... I tell you what is that not the most depressing the depressing sentence there's oh, a casserole, casserole in, in the, the fridge, fridge. Nice. um yeah, I, I wonder whether, like, Ruby's going to also go off on one. Is she going to be she really naughty now to try and get herself suspended from school? All she's seen being demonstrated in front of her face is, if you're naughty, you get pizza mm. and you get and you get to spend the week with Dad. Yeah. So, yeah, why, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? you? I, I just, I, I'm not convinced they will because Ruby is still very, very underused on Coronation Street, isn't she? She's there when they absolutely need her to, to be there. And I, I don't know whether they would, um, whether they trust her to, to carry some scenes like this. And I don't particularly want a scene with, um, you know, another scene of somebody on the phone saying, what's that? You want us to come into school? I uh, thought that was really funny when Fizz was like, slow down, Tyrone. What do you mean? What do you mean we have to go to the school? Mm. I I love that they see. <laughs> I really, really wish we could have seen something more than just her brandishing this hammer. And I guess it is a case of, you know, this girl is, what, 12, 13 years old? I don't know how old Isabella is at the moment. And they can't actually have her pounding her classmate's head in with a, with a blunt instrument. But it just felt like, oh, surely they could have done something to, to show it. I don't know, you know, I, it's, it's another one of these cases of we, we hear things. But even that, yeah, uh, Orla was saying, oh, she tried to reenact the, um, the, the, the murder of Charlotte Hoyle. But well, what did she do then? Did she literally just hold up the hammer and that was it? Did she, did she swing it about a little bit? Did she kind of give one of her classmates a bit of a bop with it? I, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd love to have seen her absolutely going mad on it. But I guess you just can't do it. I think is there a way with camera trickery? See, this is the thing, right? This is the interesting thing about Coronation Street here is that they feels it feels like they're biting off more than they can, they they can chew with some of these storylines because they couldn't show that scene, and they couldn't show that with Griff and his gang, they're talking in innuendos and things. And I know that some people are finding it very uncomfortable to watch, and as it is, <clears throat> but I feel like it's. 
I feel like if if this wasn't Coronation Street, it would be even more dark than than they're going with mm. it. You know, so I I think I'm I'm interested to see that Coronation Street is taking on these storylines that feels kind of difficult for them to actually portray properly on a an eight o'clock yeah time slot. But yeah. eight o'clock's pretty late still. Yeah, and it also I know. the other thing I'm just think I just just occurred to me about it being on at eight instead of half seven. How many families that used to watch it together don't watch it anymore with their kids because it's on too late? How many kids, you know, what 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 age does 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock mm. become the bed? Well, I mean, it still ends at 9 o'clock, didn't it? And it used to end at 9 o'clock as well because know, of half yeah. an hour in between. So that's I don't know. True. I mean, it, it is losing, losing viewers, but so, so is everything these days. Yeah, that's just my kind of grievance about that because I, I did really, really enjoy Hope this week and I, I'm oh, no, quite hard still... to please when it comes to Hope, as, as <sighs> listeners know, but I, I did really, really enjoy her. I liked her evil smiles. She's really perfecting that. <laughs> um, thought... She reminds me of Amy, but she's got a better kind of evil backstory than Amy. Yeah. Because Amy was was turning into a mini Blanche and Blanche's only crimes were really making people feel bad about themselves yeah Amy was <laughs> never like proper psychotic like this no um, but yeah so to, to see her doing her scheme and to, the, the book selling I thought was fantastic when when that boy was there saying what five pounds for a book and I was like oh, she's got a proper bit it's of a, 15 proper pounds bus- online yeah proper business head on her um, and the way that she is um, getting Tyrone around a little finger is so funny to watch but, but yeah like you said what a doormat that Tyrone is that is absolutely not how he should be treating his daughter I'm so sick of Tyrone uh, he, 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 she's got him over a barrel and yes He's he probably a... feels guilty Stupid. about the way that he treated the family over Alina and, and, and everything but at the end of the day he is the dad his daughter's been suspended he kind of needs to go repair and, and show her a little bit of Tough consequences love. to her actions I think if I was a parent my main um, area of expertise would be tough love mm. although I mean <laughs> hope also she has run away before hasn't she it's, it's a really difficult one because if, she, if they were they to push ha- her too far don't, don't push her too far she's either going to attack you with a hammer next or she's <laughs> going to or she's going to run away so it's really really difficult that, that school that that prep pupil referral unit in Birmingham that they sent her to a couple of years ago, absolutely rubbish, wasn't it? Not only did it bring Psycho Jade into their life, but it clearly had no, you know, no lasting effect on this girl whatsoever. I, I hope they don't get an outstanding for their Ofsted, I tell you. Um, <laughs> I, I, do, I do wonder how long they're going to be able to keep this up for, though. Is she going to get out of this phase? Are they going to turn her into a a, a young villainous, you know, young woman? She's end? still so young. She's only in year seven. And I don't know whether this will start to get stale by the time that she's old enough that she can go, you know, proper psycho on things. Because there's only so much I can see her holding the hammer but not actually attacking someone. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I'm thinking to myself... Is this like a, is this a lifetime story for Hope? Because it feels like really it it is because she had when she was young she had that cancer scare mm. at Christmas and she was all sweet and angelic and everything, but since then she's just had story after story about being a troubled child and 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 fire not much else and having no is it getting a bit stale? No, I love it having no conscience and um, just being just just getting on with evil stuff. Are they gonna just is hope the future female villain 
on Corrie that we've been waiting for for years. Maybe, but it, it really is the long game, isn't it? Because they can't do it for another six or seven years. Yes, they can. Do you remember when Connor McIntyre left and he we did the interview with him and he was talking about what he'd really like to see as far as Corrie villains go is a proper femme fatale, you know, a proper evil, murderous v- female villain. We haven't really had one. You know, Tracy's done, done, you know, one murder. It's not good enough. <laughs> is is that where hope's going? Because, you know, I know you say, oh, we can't go on for six or seven years. I don't think that's true because um, if you look at, like, David, David had a good long patch of being incredibly psychopathic. Yeah, but she still doesn't hold a candle to David. I'm sorry, she just doesn't. She, that's because she's younger than David. But but when David but was her age, I still think that he that, that Jack P. Shepherd did a better job than Isabella Flanagan's doing, who I think, like I said, I was impressed with her this week. But I think that already by this age, David was more well, compelling no a character. Well, no need to compare the two. No, no. You've... D- d- in, de- in a detrimental way. No, I know. But I, there's no reason to think that I just, I, you've, you've kind of painted us into a corner now. No, I, I just hope that she, I hope that they will give her more to do. So There's here's only so the question. many fires right, that can she you, can light. Here's the question. Would you be happy to have a slow burn character development for Hope until she gets to, you know, in her early 20s and turn her into a proper Cory villain? Whether or not Helen Flanagan... No, Helen Flanagan. <laughs> Isabella Flanagan. Whether or not she plays her or, you know, she has a head swap at some point. Yeah, that's that's um, a really good point as well because it doesn't feel like she's going to get a head swap because I think she she is a good actress yes, and is. I think she's very popular um, and I, and I don't think that she a head d- swap I think is she needed or would go down well. well with what she's being given. Yeah, yeah, I, I do, I do as well. I, I mean, it's but, just I'm know, saying Jack B. Shepard was another league in my opinion, um, but they might decide if we do head swap her, then we can do the darker storylines with her earlier. So let's cast her as, you know, with with some um, 18-year-old actress when the character is 15, 15, say, and then they don't have to wait. I think that's going to be really tempting to do. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm just really intrigued as to if this is part of a long-term... you know, long-term idea about Hope, the future of Hope. Because I can't see Fizz or Tyrone going anywhere... And even if no, they do, no. you know, I, I don't, I think the girls could stay on the street somehow in some capacity somewhere, whether they got adopted by somebody or not, I don't know. I, I think Fizz and Tyrone are, are in it for the long haul. Yeah. And I was having a look on the, um, on Corypedia about the top 100 character appearances, and I think I'm right in saying that both of them are in the top 20 now, kind of the bottom end of the top 20. Yeah, it's not surprising. But, um, uh, and a lot of the people who are higher than that, and obviously you've still got Ken and Gail and, and that lot, but there's a lot of classic characters that, you know, give them 15, 20 years, Fizz and Tyrone could easily crack the top 10. I, I, I It doesn't feel like they're going anywhere. And that, no. that's one of the things that I like about them, that yeah, they I do agree. offer this stability. I think they're good. Yeah, I, I like them being in the show, but, I like, but I'm more enthusiastic about them with this, do you, you know, with this daughter, this evil child. Mm. I all, and I'm I don't also... want to get into discussions about stigmatizing children who've been abused. This is just a t- this is just a TV show. It's just a fictional character. It's mm. not a story about, you know, trauma and and mm. stuff. Unless they start going down that route, which they haven't really. I, I think eventually they will do something super dark with her, and it's hopefully going to be a bit of a wake-up call for her. But how cool would it be 
to have. So how old is Hope now? Um, she, she'll be 12 at the moment. So imagine in 10 years 30. time. Yeah, imagine in 10 years time. You've oh, yeah, got... it's her 12th. But she was born in 2000. She's born during the tram crash, wasn't she? So she's going to have her 12th birthday in a couple of weeks. Imagine in 10 years time. Yes. We have Evil Hope and Good Ruby. <laughs> you know, these two sisters who've been raised together and Hope's just been a horrible nightmare and Ruby's like this innocent victim. Yeah. I can really see that happening. Yeah, they're naughty, like, naughty and nice. I'm or, fairly or sure like, that Ruby's going to have a head swap. Oh, yeah, Ruby's going to have a head swap, no doubt about that. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, Don't I, you think that's an amazing like setup for this, this story? Like, you know, you can see also all the teens falling in love with this, idea, mm. the teen viewers, because there's nothing cooler to a teen than like a troubled youth and, and like yeah. uh, being forced to be evil against your will <laughs> because it's your nature. Yeah. And then I, oh, but I'm the good one and I'm going to fight you, you know, yeah. it's kind of like wicked. If only they had songs. <laughs> I do. I, I do wonder what the future uh, like uh, has in store for Ruby because she's a very very blank canvas at the moment. They could they could make her the the, the good child, or they could make her. You know, it, it's a it's a classic and a bit of a cliche story of somebody saying, "Oh, so and so gets all the attention. I feel that I'm the yeah the the neglected child, and so I'm going to go off the rails as well, maybe." Um, I, don't, I don't know, but um, yeah, we, we have to wait quite a while before we see what develops. But um, yeah, I, I don't see the Dobbs and the States going anywhere. So um, if, I, if I were, you know, in the storylining team or producer or whatever in Coronation Street, I'd certainly be thinking very carefully about where I imagined that the, these two would be going because they're, they're, they're not they're not leaving Coronation Street, are they? No. Nope. Um, so all, all the book stuff in the factory I found kind of fun. Um, I like this. I really like this idea. I feel it's one of those things I feel I wanted more time on it, you know. I think they did a really good job of making it. I felt like, you know, we'd finished with that idea mm. in the show, but I really it really makes me interested. Like, I feel like you could have a whole TV like one of these limited series about a crime that had been committed and a book gets written and and how does it tear the community apart mm. it was funny not even not even just the um the factory people but random people during the week saying oh i'm on i'm on chapter 10 at this point or Who i did that? i can't remember there, there was a, there was a few people Oh no, it was the therapist, wasn't it? She's the one that was like, oh yeah, I've just got one chapter left or something. Oh, I'm only reading God. it for research. So I do like the idea that this this secret book is being naughtily passed around everyone. Absolutely, Beth would be the sort of person that would read it. Um, I loved how Sally was trying to, you know, be the, the one saying, oh, of course I wouldn't. Uh, I, I made an oath to my friend, but immediately dropped it as soon as she realised that Rosie was in it. Um, it just kind of makes me think, you know, who, who else would have... I bet Dirk's read it, wouldn't, hasn't he? he? He looks the sort of... Oh, Dirk's he's not gonna, He's not going to blab anything about it, but no. I, I definitely reckon You Dirk's can trust Dirk to be very discreet. Yeah, and and probably Izzy as well. I mean, it's probably the most excitement that Izzy's had all oh year. Oh, God. Staying there at home on her own. Why, why wouldn't you read it? I don't understand why you wouldn't read this. What... what... I don't understand why anybody thinks that you wouldn't read this. What, to be the bigger person? Fizz was involved in moving a corpse. She can't, she doesn't have the moral high ground here. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, friendship, loyalty and all that. I don't, would I want to read something like this if I felt that it might make me feel 
worse about somebody who's a friend? If somebody wrote a scandalous book about you, would I really want to read it? I don't know. I, but I, yeah, but I seek out things I don't want. This is what I was saying earlier about the news and stuff. Like, you know, I know it sounds really selfish to say that I only worry about things that affect me, but I am just a human being. <laughs> I'm just a person <laughs> trying to be good. But, um, yeah, when when it's something that hits home to me, I guess. But I get it's it's like a moth to a flame. I think I'd read it. I think I'd read it in fume. I and think I think, I'd, I think my my copy would be full of post-it notes and underlines <laughs> and highlighters and stuff. I'd like to think that I would, you know, a- avoid reading it for a little bit. But I I think that temptation might be might be a little bit too great. Yeah. To be honest. <laughs> Anyway, the, the, this storyline is is, is uh, I, I'm enjoying very much. Um, let's let's see where it goes in future weeks. It feels like there can't be that much more left of it because it's been running for quite a while now, hasn't it? But um, yeah, we, we will see. So Sam's stuff then. The murderer he wrote and he met said murderer on Wednesday. Um, Simon emerges at the beginning of the episode from wherever on earth he's been Hello, hiding Simon. himself um, all these past months and gets out and saying, oh, so. I know I haven't said anything at all about it up to this point, but I really don't think that um, you should be going to take Sam to see Harvey, to be honest, because he's a he's a bit of a wrong one. he is. I used to work for him, remember that? Um, and, and Nick's like, well, you know, we're doing it now. We've, we've said we would. <laughs> well, we're doing it now. So yeah, go so it. go back into your cave, Simon. See you again in another three months, maybe, for one more scene. Um, there's also a little reminder at the beginning of that episode there that Leanne is still looking into ways of getting money um, for the bistro so they can buy Debbie out, but so far um, not doing so well with that. Sam comes out of his room and says... Oh, this is when she's looking at payday loans. Yes, yes, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> Sam comes out of his room and says, oh, thank you very much for letting me do this. I know how hard it must have been can for you. Can you get a payday loan for a forest? <laughs> Nick tells him, uh, oh, you're, you're very welcome, or worse to that effect. And, and that really sets the tone for Sam, that episode, doesn't he? Like a very kind of mature understanding that this is quite difficult for everybody, but I am determined to do this and get to the bottom of it. And I tell you, what, I absolutely loved Sam on, on uh, Wednesday's episode. These scenes in the prison with, with him and Nick and Harvey were just fantastic. Brilliantly written, very well performed. It's um, so super and, interesting, and I, the difference between Sam and Hope and how aware they are of other people and their emotions and consequences of actions and things. Yeah. And and yet Sam is supposedly the one who is the, you know, the socially awkward one, the one that people are saying, oh, are they going to give him an autistic storyline or whatever? But he, he knows, doesn't he? He's he's very, very aware autistic of... Autistic people aren't unaware. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I think um, autistic people are probably sometimes more aware of yeah so i guess it's it more that yeah hope is just like very unempathetic isn't she i know i really love her <laughs> <laughs> sam's like a little jimmy cricket isn't he he's like the, yeah times. i tell you what if you yeah if you ever have um your, your bout of conscience where your your devil and your angel are talking to you just have a little look on your shoulder and see if one of them's sam and one of them's hope <laughs> so they turn up at the prison definitely not the coronation street studios um this restorative justice lady 
lady from last week is there. We saw her name in the credits. I don't remember what it is. Do you remember? No. We'll just call her a restorative justice lady. It just rolls off the tongue. She says, look, this might be a little bit tricky, but um, we're going to keep it going. And if it's absolutely necessary, I'll end the meeting, but I'm going to just let it run and, and see what happens. Um, although, of course, Harvey might choose to end it himself. So they, they go into the prison, sit at the table that's always specially reserved for any main characters, right right in the middle. Oh, do you come this steps. way? Oh, you're from Coronation Street. Sit here. It's like if you're a very attractive or famous person, you get seated in the middle of the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. I thought they sit you by the window. Well, I mean, there's no window in a prison, Michael. Use your brain. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, oh, you're the famous one. Sit in the middle, please. <laughs> so um, they're, they're sitting down there and then Harvey comes out, he kind of swaggers over, plonks him sound on the seat and's like, what can I do for you, ladies? Sexist. Oh, he's hard, isn't he? He's so that evil. That pre-watershed um, criminal taunting there. Misogyny. Um, anyway, he is not making things easy for them at all. Um, Sam just wants him to talk and is asking him questions and he's just um, he's he's not playing ball here and um, well that's an Americanism as well isn't oh, it oh yeah Harvey wouldn't like that the, yeah the lady it's calls, not cricket the, the lady calls a time out and he's like oh I hate Americanisms that was weird and it didn't go anywhere did it anyway um, off to one side when they're having this little time out can I just say oh I'm sorry I walked over to close the door I wonder whether Coronation Street writer has been told off for um saying an Americanism and just wanted to get that line in. I don't know. It seemed it seemed an odd thing for um for Harvey to say. Although maybe if he does get out, um I, I know some some um friendly racists who might welcome them into his, in, into their uh, into their gang who are also not fan of Americanisms like Halloween. Remember that? Uh <laughs> I say let who cares about Americanisms? We invented the language, we can adapt. You tell Harvey that. I don't, I don't, I'm fed up with worrying about Americanisms. I say we should steal those like we stole everything else. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so um, Nick is speaking to Harvey at one side. Um, is he speaking to Harvey? Oh, no, no, that's, that's, that's another episode. He's speaking to Sam, isn't he? And he's like, look, do you want oh, to go home? Do you want to stop it This there? is the time out, isn't it? They this all is go the time outside. out time. And Sam's like, no, it's not too much for me. It's fine. It's a, it's a Danish gambit. Um, he's just assessing our strengths and weaknesses, and he reckons. Sam says that how Sam reckons that Harvey is scared of him, and he's like he hasn't even looked at me once. So I I just love this how Sam is has read the room. He knows exactly. Um, he's good. He's like a child psychologist. He's like he? a mini Roy. He's like he's just sitting back and assessing. Yeah, he's not necessarily involved himself socially but he can step back and observe people on a different level but he's he's able to do all this and and he's talking at the same time and he's he's asking the right questions he's doing the follow-up questions he when, when harvey was saying things to him it's probably later on than this and he's going ah i see and then he writes Making it down notes. on his little bit of paper <laughs> he's not intimidated in the slightest i was like go sam this week he was brilliant i would like to watch a TV show which is Sam solving crimes with clinical psychology. <laughs> yeah, he could. I mean, he, he's um, if they want somebody to be the next DI whatever, never mind PC Craigie, get Sam on the case. Get, get him fast-tracked to Sam the, is the, the top so of Weatherfield Police Department. Sam is the sort of kid who ends up in the papers when they're aged, like, you know, 12, with their PhD in quantum physics. Yeah. I, I wouldn't surprise me if he does have some kind of early GCSE story at some point. I think point, he should but... do. Yeah, why not? The he's thing is about him is that he's, he's so cookie. he's so exceptionally clever 
and mature for his age that if they don't make a big deal about it, it just becomes very unrealistic because everyone's kind of like, oh, that's just Sam. He's just a child genius. There's loads of these, those in Weatherfield. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. like, no, this kid is actually... He is very even, uniquely special. I know this clever. is fiction, but we've got to not pretend that this kid is... Uh, mm. And so, sometimes in the scripts, it feels a little bit unrealistic and a bit... <gasps> no. Like, would what? he really say this kind of thing? But no. uh-huh. all of this, I thought, was just just done exactly right. I really and I, I went into these scenes thinking, oh, this this isn't going to be so good. This uh, could be clunky. I, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know how it was going to be. I thought it might be a little bit clunky, but everybody involved in this absolutely brilliant anyway they go back and have a sit down with harvey and uh sam's like so so why didn't you fill out the questionnaires that i sent you and harvey says i'm sick of your constant ready letters um and then um sam shows him he unfolds this picture of his mum natasha and says how how do you feel when you see this this is the woman you, you shot and harvey he's clearly rattled by this he doesn't want to have the, the a photo of the woman he accidentally killed you know it was a case of mistaken identity he doesn't want that shoved in his face and sam says why are you scared harvey says, i'm not scared right okay let's do this so sam just by asking how he's scared is manages to get him to open up so, it's just like his chest moves so these scenes were sam nick harvey and the and the lady and we started just a lady and then the the um leanne comes let yeah, yeah she's she's there on on next episode i thought it was quite funny how the picture of natasha was obviously folded up because um sam had it in his pocket or something mm. but it was like folded i don't think it was on on the mouth <laughs> he could have opened her up and gone hello it's me natasha why did you go <laughs> why 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 that would have really shook him to his core but you think, this, this has already done a fairly good job of that on its own to be honest i'm um, gonna haunt you <laughs> so anyway how pretty are you? harvey has agreed to start talking and he says, yeah, you're right, I shouldn't have killed Natasha. Of course I'm sorry. Sorry I'm sitting here and I didn't kill Leanne. Yeah. <laughs> and Sam's like, okay, uh-huh. Did you suffer any psychological trauma as a child or anything like that? Or did you kill anybody as a child? An animal, maybe? For sport? I like this. <laughs> and Harvey's like, oh, yeah, well, of course. I'm oh, grouse hunting. hunting. Yeah, I was, I was a member of the fox hunting community. I, I went hunting grouse in Scotland every weekend. Um... And then he he's been watching too much Downton Abbey in prison. I yeah, and, and then, so he's just been putting on the bravado and everything at this point. But then he kind of cracks and he's like, well, yeah, I did kick my mate's head in once because he punched me dog. And and this is probably the first <laughs> true and honest thing that, that Harvey said throughout this just, whole interview. Can I just make sure that everyone knows that he wasn't like... I just kicked my mate's head in because he punched me, dog. He punched <laughs> you my dog. Say that's Americanism. No. Um, and, and Sam says, Oh, so my mum, was she the first actual person you killed then? And he's like, This is good because he kind of leans into me and says, If it wasn't, lad, do you think I'd tell you? Time to move on, kid. And I thought that was quite a, a chilling delivery of, of that little line there. So Sam is, he just won't take no for an he's answer. He's relentless. Throughout yeah. all of this, like, most people would be like, I'm not getting anywhere here. I give in. But you're right, relentless. Somebody needs to Photoshop him on a um, a poster for Terminator and call him the interrogator. The Saminator he is, isn't he? Um, he he's like, he's going to call him Sam the Relentless. He just wouldn't relent. <laughs> what are we doing in the shadows? Reference. Um, so, 
Sam says, oh, right, let's let's uh, talk about um, let's talk about your parents, Harvey. Tell me about your family. <laughs> and he and, uh, and always ha- Harvey's like, well, there's there's my auntie Sharon. She mostly brought me up, and um, and now I've got a bit of a love hate relationship with my brother. And Sam's like, oh yeah. So what happened to your mum then? And he and he doesn't want to talk about it because. It turns out that Harvey's mum died when he was a kid. It was this new information I can't remember. Um, but it was when he was 14. And this is when Sam does this. Ah, so he, he thinks, I, I have got somewhere with him. I've, I've got you know, something in common that I can maybe use to, to, to get his get weaknesses, to get more info, yeah. And Sam says, this is this is classified as an adverse childhood experience, and he's like, oh, it turns out that whatever percentage of people in prison have got at least three adverse childhood experiences. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but it, it absolutely feels right for Sam to be saying all of this. And Harvey's like, are you are you a real kid? Um, and then and then what well, he's like, well, what do you think? You are sitting across the table from your mum's killer. Do you want to kill me? Do you want to just launch yourself at me? Because he's like, if I had five minutes with me mum's cancer, I'd have torn it apart. Is that how you feel about me, little man? And Sam says, no, I'm, I'm not the one who's upset here. Um, Sam asks if he feels any remorse about what he did. Would he make the same decisions again? Do you think your mother would be proud of your choices? So he knows that, that Harvey is, you know understandably cut up about his mum dying at a young age so he's kind of going for the jugular here isn't he saying what what would your mum think of what you were doing and Harvey's like no of course you wouldn't be proud what kind of mum would want a jailbird as a son she was a good woman and Sam's like oh that sounds a bit like my mum Harvey by this point is clearly struggling Sam is getting to him he he came to this meeting thinking I'm gonna do my bit I'm gonna kind of probably make Sam feel bad I'm gonna, I'm gonna make things really difficult for him so that hopefully he won't write to me again. And he's kind of sitting here thinking, oh, this, this is actually making me feel human feelings. I wanna get out of here. So end of the meeting for Harvey. Back at home later, Nick tells Simon and Leanne how grown up Sam was, how he cut Harvey down to size. Simon's quite surprised by this. Simon obviously. and Leanne look like a pair of mugs here because Sam's run rings around Harvey and they were terrorised by this man yeah. for weeks on end <laughs> to the point at which they both became recluses. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and then, Simon's and then just Nick got the measure of him like, Nick comes back and goes, wow, Sam was brilliant. He told Harvey, he made Harvey into a quivering wreck. And <laughs> Leanne, Leanne and Simon are like... Well, Leanne says, but look, at the end of the day, did Sam get the answers he wanted? Because that was all Sam wanted, wasn't it? He he wanted to try and understand why Harvey acted this way. And yeah. everyone up, up to this point had told him, you know, that sometimes there's no reason behind it. Sometimes you're just a bad penny. But And, and that's what I was thinking as well. He's just a Corrie villain. Um, but they they really did a fantastic job, I think, of um, of having some kind of reason for why Harvey is the way he is. It, almost, almost feeling a bit of sympathy for Harvey. And I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it's, that. It's okay to feel sympathy for bad people. I wish, I wish people weren't so hung up on proving how morally superior they are by never allowing themselves to feel any sympathy. Mm. Especially for fictional characters. It's not going to yeah. hurt anybody for you to go, oh, 
I didn't. I gives, just just for the gives, record, I didn't feel sorry for him at all. I just found it interesting. I think it was really. It gives them a bit of a different dimension. It makes them doesn't yeah. It? it makes them more dimensional, not three-dimensional. just baddie through and through. And, and then, to be honest, we've we've had a lot of criticism about Coronation Street bringing in these two-dimensional villains, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Harvey particularly had been had been utterly that he's probably only been in what 20, 30 episodes in total. Yeah. I'm going to estimate here. I probably yeah. might be wildly wrong there, but he has just been no i'm a bad drugs uh, pusher i'm gonna beat up jacob and i'm gonna i'm gonna terrorize somebody from prison i'm gonna i'm gonna escape from my I'm van evil. in the rain i'm just evil and i like to go around shooting people but this this bit getting about his family i thought yeah I, I, makes sense it doesn't it have does. to it doesn't have to excuse something but it makes mm. sense and i i adored the final scene of the episode where he's sitting sitting on his bed reading reading a note that um, is clearly one of Sam's notes there. And um, and then he, he looks up and there's a picture of, you know, who we are pre- to presume is his mum mm. and him as a little boy. And he's getting proper emotional. And then because he's the sort of person that, you know, isn't used to feeling this sort of things, he just goes off on one, doesn't he? He starts smashing his salad, pulling things off the wall, throwing his chairs around. <laughs> he throws a chair into a wall that looks very flimsy and made a massive dent in it. So it's... um. I, yeah, I, I'd maybe work on um, reinforcing those doors in, in Weatherfield Prison with these violent criminals in there. But um, yeah, and then he just kind of ends up collapsing into a sobbing heap in uh, by his door, doesn't he? Sam has absolutely got to him, and I, I did. I felt I felt a little bit sorry for him, uh, to be honest. No good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> so that storyline kind of um, gets on go, pause. Yeah, goes on pause for a little bit. A, a bit overtaken by what's going on at the bistro with Debbie which I didn't find as interesting but um, I, De- Debbie is wonderful absolutely I, I adore Debbie this character was the best but I'm not really interested in who's buying it and who's not buying it just get on with it and do oh, it oh sorry Michael I know I know that these are boring storylines the, the, anything to do with business is boring but Debbie just made it Debbie definitely Debbie sweetened the bitter pill there could be here. a story about Debbie and Ronnie going to to being cute and picking out paint samples and I love it because you know Debbie will cause chaos <laughs> oh she, she's brilliant so oh, she's just fantastic so Debbie at the beginning of Thursday's episodes reminds Leanne about this limited offer that she made last week it's a Black Friday sale first refusal on the bistro and or all... they can sell their bit of it which is right because it's Thanksgiving on Thursday is it? In is America. It up? Wow. Um, anyway, Leanne's like, I'm not happy about this. So we, we can't get the cash. So they're visited by these potential buyers. Um, and there's, I can't remember what the, the, there's this kind of fairly well off looking woman there. Yeah. And there's this giant of a man. I thought she was there to snatch Thomas baby to start with. Yeah, it could have been, couldn't <laughs> it? Yeah, the, uh, yeah, Are you got any babies for sale? No? I, well then I'll just buy it. this restaurant. There, there was a bit where Debbie goes up to this guy and she's like, you know, nipple height uh, uh, or maybe lower to this guy. And she looks up at him and is like, oh, you don't need a ladder, do you? Which is great. Cause, uh, anyway, so they, they turn up and they're Debbie. Tell you what Debbie can do is cut everybody down to her size just with words. I want to see her on a massive pair of Spice Girl platforms. But she doesn't need them, she does she? Need That's it. the thing. She's just such a blimmin' spark. I just love her. Yeah. She's a pistol. Yeah, she's oh, awesome. Anyway, um, they're, they're very impressed by the bistro until Leanne 
does her best to put them well, off. On. And this is a proper soap cliche, isn't it? Debbie scurries off to get the paperwork, yeah, leaving yeah, yeah. Leanne with the, the lady. Tale as old as time. Somebody doesn't want something sold. Usually in Coronation Street, they do this when there's a house that's being sold and the yeah. lodger doesn't want it um, sold underneath them so that they try and put the buyers off. But here it's Leanne and she uh, she's like saying, oh, you know, yeah, this place is always empty. And... Um, it's um it's full of rats as well they're the only they're the only things that we see these days and she kind of goes a little bit ditzy about it doesn't she and um she couldn't be further from the truth to be honest because it seems like everybody in weatherfield goes to the bistro Apparently, at least three times a week the bistro is the only recession proof restaurant in the uk yeah it's just because debbie's such a great businesswoman um and anyway she so um they, they go off and have a look so like oh thanks for the tip love they leave um, and they tell Debbie they're not going to be making an offer. And Leanne's like, oh, 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 isn't that shame? I'm going to put an offer in. Oh, okay. Oh, no, what a time waster, right? <laughs> and, uh, what and did Debbie's you think like, of this? Hmm. What did you think of, of Leanne doing this? Because this is very old school Battersby, but I thought Leanne had evolved beyond this. I did as well, but, you know, desperate times call for her. It wasn't just the fact that she did it. It was the how pleased she was with herself and how she had absolutely no remorse. I know. And I well, really think... There was a lot of karma involved this week. There was. She's Leanne. laughing over the other side I of her face. I can't feel bad for her at all <laughs> for this. And I do like Leanne usually, but if it's going to be Leanne against Debbie, sorry, I'm absolutely <laughs> on Team Webster in this one. In this one. Uh, Leanne, sorry. Sorry. So uh, anyway, later on, and, and Debbie's found out about Leanne's little ruse and calls her out in it. She's like, how dare you? And she whips out Leanne's contract and says, right, it says here, madam, that if one partner can find a buyer above market rate, then they can force the other buyer to sell. So tick, stick that in your pipe and smoke it. You better raise this cash now or I will find that buyer. Um, and uh, so Leanne's kind of left like, whoops, probably shouldn't have done that. Oh dear, um, I've poached she, the bear. She, yeah. And it's a panda. It's a tiny <laughs> cute panda bear, but it's really vicious. A, a vicious koala bear is Debbie. Do you reckon she's she? more like, a, yeah, like a red... A red panda. <laughs> yeah. Nick, later on in the oh, episode... Oh, no, she's like a honey badger. She is totally a honey badger, isn't she? Yes. <laughs> Debbie's the honey badger. That's of her patronus. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Nick is looking at the, this contract back at the flat later, and he's like, oh, yeah, Debbie's right. You'd have thought maybe they'd have studied this a little bit more themselves. It says here you can't be a devious bitch, Leanne. I don't know what you were thinking. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, this is all going to be okay then. Um, but then, um, before they can go any further with this, restorative justice lady phones back and says, Harvey's requested another like meeting with Sam. She the newest Sam. member of the Avengers. <laughs> restorative justice lady. She's got RJ on her chest. Um, Leanne says, well, I'm coming with you this time. So, Sunday, um, Sunday's episode, um, she, she's like, oh yeah, we're, we're going to go to prison today. Um, also, we can't buy the bistro. And Nick's like, mm, about that. Um, he suggests that they use Sam's inheritance from Natasha and Leanne's like, no way! This is, I'm sure this is what I said last week. I can't remember. And when, you, and when Leanne was reacting to it, things. I was like, oh, am I a bad person? <laughs> but I agree. I think, I think Nick's right here, I think. But with the caveat that it all is above board. They don't just take Sam's money out of his bank account. They sit down and they get Adam to make a contract and they pay it back with interest that it would have gained if it had been, mm. you know. I'm what is sure. wrong with that? I really I... can't see the issue. And, like, they could even write a clause in whereby Sam's inheritance gets a percentage of the profits every year. Leanne just says it's a massive risk because it could all go 
boobs well up i know but it. that's the same for, with any time the thing is about it is that it, if you if you did it properly with a proper contract and it was a loan they the sam would get you'd have to pay him back either way wouldn't you you'd have to she's she's saying oh no i wouldn't pay him back if i if i failed well that's not right well, I, I think that if they were Leanne to go saying. through this, Leanne, um, Sam would be going through this contract with a fine tooth comb, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah. He'd, he'd, like, he'd find any he'd, flaws Adam, in there. Adam would be there, like, explaining it to him, and he'd say, thank you, Adam, but I've also got my own legal representation. This is my lawyer, Margaret, and she's going to go over the contract to make sure it's in my best interest. I'm sure you understand. And they'd all go, by gum. Never mind Alia. Dee Dee needs to hire Sam to be her new legal secretary, doesn't she? Alia didn't find... He solved a Stu case months ago. Alia didn't find a goddamn thing in Stu's paperwork. I don't know why Dee Dee hired her. (laughs) Anyway, um, so Leanne's like, no, we're not going to... We're not doing that. We're not using his money. No way. It's a gamble. No, that would be too easy. Of a risk. And then there's like, so what are we going to do to get you some money, Nick? And they, they kind of go off and say, oh, maybe you get a job on the trams. And I was thinking, do I write this down in a note? Is it a joke? Is he actually going to be there stamping tickets? But they, they kind of had a laugh about this. Like, oh, me, Nick, working on the trams? No way. Um, what about asking David for some money? No, he's too proud. So they're kind of a bit stumped for what to do here. I kind of thought it was snobby because... Um... He wouldn't get a job on the trams, but actually, for the first time, refreshingly, refreshingly realistic, economically about a character's standing and expectations of their career. Mm. Like most other people would just go and get a job in the trams, and nothing would change about their lifestyle or how often they went to the bistro or what house they lived in. Mm. But you know, Nick's like, actually, I'm a business owner. I don't want to work on the trams. Yeah, and also, and to also, be fair, it's not, it's we not need this set. money. By the end of the week. And I know in Coronation no, no, Street... No, 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 often... no, 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 no. You've misunderstood. No. What? Leanne's talking about, we're going to lose the bistro. We need other jobs. What oh, should we do? Oh, okay, okay, okay. I thought you were saying get, get, get the money. I know in Coronation Street, quite often characters will get due jobs and then immediately ask for an advance in their wages. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, please, Mrs. Come Can on. I please have £12,000? Yeah. No, Nick's first day on the tram, he'd be like, I found this duffel bag and it's full of cash. What a dilemma for me. <laughs> I know what I'm going to do with it. Yeah, and then like it. next week, some old lady will come and go. Have you found any money? I need it to cremate my husband. Like <laughs> Elena's grandma going on there. Hello, it's me, Elena's grandma. <laughs> I'm from England. That's why she speaks English so well. Um, so, um, they're going to go and see Harvey. Nick promises Debbie before they go that he's going to have this money by the end of the day. I don't know what he's thinking there. Ronnie reckons that he's bluffing. Um, and so Debbie then phones up this lady from the last episode that came around looking and says, oh, Leanne's a load of rubbish. The bistro's doing brilliantly, actually. Leanne's and the a trifling hoe. was like, nope, not interested, uh, because uh, the builders found wet rot in four separate places in the bistro. Um, so whatever Leanne said, don't care. Um, I'm not buying it, and you're going to be lucky if you find anyone who does, quite frankly. Oops. So they go to the prison next. Um, Harvey starts off the 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 the, the confrontation or whatever, okay, the meeting with him chucking one of Sam's letters onto the desk, and and Sam is like, okay, so back to the questioning. What did you like at school, Harvey? And apparently he was a bit of a fan of the old javelin. Um, we also kind of learn a few other bits of other childhood trauma from Harvey, like he didn't have lunch much at school and he liked history. Leanne, when you've had free school meals. 
I don't even know whether that was a thing back then, to be honest. Isn't he a similar age to us? Um, I'm going to say slightly older. But, um, you know, He's a grown maybe up. we're just showing it better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all those years of hard crime in has, uh, has really does... taken their toll on Harvey's face. Um, Leanna's there just chewing the biggest of wasps. She's just, like, desperate to say something. Because, obviously, Harvey meant to I love kill this. her I love this so much. Year. Nobody gives a crap about this. Leanne's just been asked to sit opposite the man that accidentally killed somebody else while trying to shoot her mm. and it's only because he got the wrong woman that she's alive yeah and then nobody cares yeah um <laughs> harvey harvey That's actually so mean he says sorry for what you did he seems to go a bit of a sorry i sorry apology, i killed your mum because leanne's so annoying <laughs> so nick I, I kind of missed how and why this happened but nick gets left alone with harvey later and um he's like you said sorry, but this is clearly an act. What what's going on? And Harvey's like, oh no, I've I've got some money put to one side. I'd really like Sam to have it. I want to make amends. Um, I know about the bistro. I know that you you're kind of down on your luck at the moment. You you need a bit of cash. Um, and by the way, I've just dropped a piece of paper on the floor, Nick. You might want to pick it up. And I didn't know whether it was going to be you know one of these classic Coronation Street. It's got an amount of money written on it, and I'm just sliding it across the table, and it goes, well, that's a lot of money you are offering me. But um, no, I it's got it a mobile phone number. Like a on. bank account, but it wasn't. It was a phone number. Yeah, phone number. So get in touch with me if you need to. That's my bum phone number. Yeah. Return of the bum phone. Don't this ring week. it at night. Um, so they go back home and then they're saying right that's all done now we never have to see Harvey again we got the apology so Leanne thinks that Nick is distracted later he's he's obviously got this phone number and he doesn't know what to do about it Debbie comes over to them though and says change of plan everybody <laughs> I've, um, I, I've seen the devious, error of my ways devious Debbie you can, you can, I'm going to accept your offer. And I know it's a little bit under the asking price, but you know what? You're my mates. Let's go for it. Do we have a I'm deal? I'm feeling magnanimous. And, and Leanne's like, yes, please. Biting her hands off. And they, they, they go there to the back of the office. And Leanne is just can't contain her excitement as she's signing this, this contract with Debbie's special, um, special, uh, what fountain was a fountain pen. pen that Bill gave her when she was a teenager. I like the way that she's distracting them from what's going on by going on about her fountain pen. Yeah, and both and of them completely are too, works, too dumb it? to... Leanne's like, yeah! And even Nick, well, both, both Nick and Leanne are, are smart, aren't they? You know, I they're, not, they're have, not dumb. I would not have, I would fall in straight into this trap I know, De- Debbie is just smarter in this case. And um, I, what was the bit that they say... Um, at the end of they say, and we're done. And Debbie's like, you certainly are. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, I love that. She is fantastic. Yeah. So they all um, go and toast their success <laughs> uh, later. and then uh, Drinking champagne. Yeah, They're like, oh, Nick Debbie, Debbie would want to have champagne with right. us. Don't know why. Yeah. So, uh, but then the bloke comes from yesterday, comes back in and he mentions the wet rot. He's like, oh, I special in remedial work. I don't know if Debbie's interested. I might be able to help out. And... <laughs> The penny what? drops to Nick and the other's like, what? And he says it was going to cost them about 20 grand yeah, to fix yeah. it. So they've gone from not having 12 grand mm. to now not having 20 grand. They've bought a bit of a lemon in this bistro, haven't they? And they've also, they've this is all their spare cash because all the rest of the money is what they could scrounge up mm. to give her the offer that was still 12 grand under. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dearie so me. Debbie and Ronnie, meanwhile, are also sharing a glass of, uh, of, of fizz in the pub later. 
And um, Natami's like, well... well... No, hang on. They storm in, don't they? Nick and Leanne to confront her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but Nick, I think... I oh. can't remember. I think Ronnie was maybe saying, oh, you know, we sure we've done the right thing. And Zebby's like, well, yeah, they should have got a proper survey done. It's their own fault. Oh, this and she when... also said to them, oh, you guys shouldn't think about it. You should think about it before you do you sign and Leanne was like I don't, don't yeah. need to think about it so Debbie's washed her hands she says I warned you I told you yeah Leanne <laughs> then comes storming in lays into Debbie and um, Debbie's like you know buyer beware you've learnt a lesson here my lady Leanne just again just throws herself at Debbie she has to have Sean and um, I can't remember who else Ronnie may be pulling them apart so sadly we didn't get um, a hair pulling fisticuffs between those two and um, and Leanne gets gets kind of kicked out, doesn't she? So um, the Good episode old ends. Spirit there. Yeah. Oh, it was, wasn't it? It was a proper Battersby moment. You know, yeah. I almost wish Toya had been in there because we did get to see a nice scene of um, Leanne and Toya on Monday's episode or the first one of the week, whenever it's supposed to be. Talking about going Wednesday. to lunch. Yeah, going to lunch together, and there was a proper Battersby bonding moment. And if if Toya had been there fighting on on Team Battersby, that would have been great. I'd have still probably been on Debbie's side on it, but. Um, I, I would have liked there to be a proper proper scrap. Maybe Hope joining in with a hammer or something. <laughs> so at the end of the episode, Nick and Leanne back from the bistro. They're really fretting about what they should do at this point. But Nick gets a call from Harvey's bum phone and is like, Office to Lom, Nick. It's yours if you want it. And that is the, uh, that's the cliffhanger for the end of Friday's episode. So, uh, there's something dodgy going on with this money, isn't there? It's clearly a scam, This is isn't a clearly it? too good to be true it's, offer. He's not just going to give him the money. He's going to make him do something for it. Or it's going to... He's going to have to get it from somebody or do... Yeah. he's. I mean, it, it's, it has um, Rick Nealon vibes written all over it, doesn't it? Yeah, but... Michael, we've all learned something this week and maybe Rick Nealon had a very sad childhood. He might have done, mightn't he? Maybe his mum was killed. Yeah, if only if only he could have had ten minutes alone in a room with Sam, we'd have thought out all his yeah. childhood traumas. Mm-hmm. But oh well, so oh, well, never know. Never know. Um, yeah, so I, I I'm assuming that Nick is eventually going to say yes to this offer and probably live to regret it. And um, I know it's another one of these money storylines which Coronation Street likes to do every year or so but um, I think just with the characters and the dynamics and everything involved I, I'm not dreading this also to be honest I still think Nick deserves a bit this is a bit of karma for Audrey's money for him isn't it yep there you go it's the universe Nick he did what ask Sarah do? for some money um, earlier in the week and she said no oh yeah he did didn't he well yeah. maybe she can um, drum something up with her new um, loungewear business that she's setting up with Michael Bailey um yeah, I, I, I love it. I, I do like Nick and Leanne, but um, if you're going to pit him against Debbie, it's Debbie every time. Oh, I love her. Hope and what, Debbie. What more to, we're team. not supposed to. It's obviously really... What do you mean we're not supposed I, I don't, to? I don't think we're supposed to be on I think Team we, Debbie. No, I think we are. I think we're supposed to think she's funny. I'm sorry, but it obviously reflects very poorly on me. But I hold my hands up and say, Hope and Debbie are my favourite characters. <laughs> you do like a good villain, don't I you? I love and them. She, the thing is, she's not so villainous you need... that you feel bad about liking her. She's I've, t- like... I've said this before. We, you need antagonists. Yeah. The show she can't she's... just be heroes yeah. and and, and uh, idiots. It's got to be villains. They, they had a bit of a misstep earlier this year where they tried to get Debbie to... Um, 
to, to get her bistro robbed. And even like, didn't Ronnie bring that up? And Debbie's like, oh, yeah. don't talk about it. <laughs> it's don't like the right to say, forget yeah. about that. That was just a bit of drama for, so that Ryan could have a couple of scenes so that, so that Ryan, Ryan Prescott could get his episode cat up for the... Uh, but um, no, she's, she's brilliant. She's wonderful. Um, uh, and, and yeah, Le- Leanne, you, you, you should have read your contract, really. You well, should have like, got the survey Honestly, done. it's like buying any property, but they thought because they... Um, they sort of worked there that they knew everything there was mm. to know about it. It's, it was an, a fairly understandable mistake. Like I said, I would have fallen into this trap. I don't know whether I would. I mean, when we were selling our house, we really tried to make sure we were doing everything and crossing all the T's. Yeah, and but if somebody had come along to us and said something like, oh, do you want to buy, do you want to buy the freehold of your property? We would have said, yeah. No, you want us to sign this thing? Okay, cool. What what could go wrong? And then who knows what could have gone wrong? I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's that's what's that's, I think Leanna's learned um, uh, 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 an important lesson. life lesson here. What does what's it going to mean for Debbie though? Like we were saying last week on the know, podcast, all the she does is is sit around, in the, around in the bistro and <laughs> occasionally she might show a face at Chariot Square. I'm not really worried we're going to see even less of Debbie now. I don't want that to happen. Really don't want it to be. As she, I, I, I really hope that they, they think of a way of integrating her more into the show because she's a, a real brilliantly <sighs> underused character. I, I, I need to see more of her. Um, well, any 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 fi- any more thoughts about Sam? I think we kind of talked about it as we went, didn't yeah. we? It was just absolutely perfect for me on, on all counts. I and didn't it, know what to think going into it, but I went away. It's clearly, it's clear to me that Harvey is getting revenge on Sam because of what he made him feel on the first episode of the week. That that tantrum he had in his cell, throwing things around and looking at the picture of his mum and looking at the, the note and stuff. He wasn't feeling remorse and regret. He was feeling uh, outrage that he had been forced to confront his... Yeah. This Dark kid side. made me feel things. Well, that's it. I'm going to punish him and his stupid family for making me feel like crap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All good. All good. Loving it. Good storyline. Another good one. I'm just kind of a bit, oh, is it going to be a drugs thing? I'm sure it will be. I'm sure Nick will have to deliver suspicious I'm, I'm sure there will be bits where it's like, oh, this is a bit grim and grisly. Um, but for now it's good. The, the other thing I'm not too sure about is how long is Will Meller going to be on this? I assumed that when he came back it was just going to be a few minor appearances and then he was going to be off to uh, off to um, uh, off, off on Strictly and, and twirling on the dance floor. But I don't know. Maybe maybe he will be in it for a bit longer. Or maybe maybe the storyline will go on without Harvey. I guess we'll see, won't we? Gemma, on to the next story. Martha Barge is back. <sighs> the beautiful Martha in her lovely honey voice. Mm-hmm. She's back again on Wednesday. But, well, is she back on Wednesday? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On... No, she wasn't. She was back on Thursday, sorry. So Wednesday is when um, Ken is on the phone about the play. It's not going very Remember well. Remember the play? Mary the play comes... that's been prepared for months and months and months. Why aren't they, why aren't they performing this uh, thing to an audience Having yet? known people who've been involved in doing plays... I think you should know by now that it does take a bit of prep. All right. Yeah. It's not just Coronation Street. We have half an hour. Hmm. So um, Mary comes over. She wants to run through some lines. She feels like she's getting in a bit of a crisis. She can't summon the fiery temptress from within. And and she doesn't have very much experience with romance. And so he says, look, 
Why don't you think about some of the famous Hollywood sirens and try to be a bit more like them, which was the worst advice. Yeah, he sets her a bit of homework, doesn't he? So, Ken, Brian and Nigel are getting ready later in the community centre is Mm -hmm. where they're having this. And uh, Nigel drops some hints about Brian's performance needing to be toned down a little bit. And they also have a pair of silly ears that they put on him. (sighs) Looks like the BFG. Yeah. So, Mary arrives and she's been watching some Joan Crawford and it's uh, not helped her out really. She's being very overly dramatic, and uh, she delivers some lines. They criticise her, and she swans off in a, in a half. Later on, she swans back again. She's still overreacting, overacting, even worse than before. Nigel calls Curtin and sends uh, her out to get some drinks, and he's really flustered. He's like, "What? What can I do? This is awful. This is even worse than it was. I know what. I'm going to call in a favour from the Grand da- Dam of the Northwest Theatre, which I thought." <laughs> was um, Maureen Littman. <laughs> yeah. But no. Uh, they, they managed to get through the whole of Wednesday's episode without Nigel actually mentioning this woman's name, didn't no. they? Which is all very convenient. I love it. They reconvene in the pub the later. Spend. Wendy's there. Ken asks Wendy whether she's got any tips and uh, Wendy's like, oh, you sh- sh- I advise restraint. And Mary's like, no, I'm the leading lady. That's for bit players. I've got all I need all eyes on me. And then she flounces off to the florist. And Ken and Brian are panicking because they don't want Nigel to replace Mary because she's their friend, but she clearly cannot take a hint. So they summon Nigel to the Rovers and they want him to ask this actress that he knows to coach Mary. And he says, no, that's stupid. We'll just get her to play the role. And Brian and Ken say, no, we'll drop out if you replace Mary. And Nigel says, okay, I'll ask her. But if she says no... Um, then you're gonna no hissy fit resignations from you deal okay on Thursday Nigel is still going on about this this actress and because she's agreed that she'll come over later to give Mary a hand and Nigel tells Brian he has to tell Mary about this and then when Brian and Mary have a meeting in the cafe and he tells her this uh, she's not very impressed she feels like she's been shafted because she doesn't need any pointers so she storms over to Nigel in the community centre. She's very affronted about the idea that she needs a coach. And Ken says, you don't understand. This this, actri- this actress is a top notch. She's an asset. And uh, as he is saying this and praising this person, he doesn't know who she is. In walks the beautiful, radiant Martha Fraser and says, oh, thank you very much, Ken. And Ken's like, eyes on stalks. Hubba hubba, a wooga. He looks like... Um, <laughs> He looks like somebody out of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> he re- he was great this week. He's he was a so hammy. Horn dog. hammy, but in a William Roach was perfect in he, this. He, he knew exactly what was expected of him. It, he knew he knows this is a, not a serious storyline. He's just lusting after Martha. Just that everywhere he's like Martha. <laughs> oh, oh, I can't I can't do it. But I know it's fantastic. It's like Carry On. It is. Carry, Carry on, on Corey. Yeah. Oh, Martha Fraser. <laughs> what a hot totty. So Ken wants to chat with her, but she's like, I'm here to work, not to talk. And then she goes over to Mary and she starts getting her to do breathing exercises and things. And later in the pub, Mary says, oh, Martha's techniques really helped me. And I will stick around uh, with f- for Nigel if, if you need me. And then they start to talk about her and Ken's history. And Ken's like, no, 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 we're just good friends. It was a long time ago. And Martha looks a bit put out because this was a great romance that they had. When Ken's trying to playing it down in front of everybody and not admitting it. Um, they never really, there wasn't really a proper 
like kissy kissy romance was it it was like a meeting of minds yeah I don't think so yeah I don't think they ever like kissed or, or sort of hugged or anything I don't remember there was just he, I mean he was going to go off with of her of course the, the story about Martha if you don't know is that she he was walking Eccles one day along the canal and then he stumbled across this beautiful creature with her bewitching canal barge and uh, she kept inviting him in for wine and soup and everything was really um, beautiful inside and she's, and she's there and... with her scarf and her, her acting and her beautiful p- pictures on the wall and she was everything that Deirdre was and there's a very famous scene like juxtaposition juxtaposition where Ken has Martha's homemade soup and then he comes home to Deirdre he's like oh it's great it's some soup and she gets the can and she splodges it out into into the, into the saucepan. saucepan and it splats in the shape of the can still mm. and it's just you know couldn't be more symbolic yeah. of the difference between these two women. And then Ken eventually decides he's going to say goodbye to his life on, on Coronation Street and Deirdre and run away with Martha on her barge. But when Martha... Doesn't, doesn't Peter put him off? I think I think he catches him leaving or something. I've got a vague memory. I might be making that up. When Martha to- to- toots off on, on her barge, Ken is there with Eccles on the bridge and he just kind of watches her and sort of waves and uh, she that waves you know and uh, Martha just has to accept that yeah. Ken's made his choice two, two ships that passed in the night yes. two tugboats that <laughs> passed in the night they mentioned that line again didn't they because one of the you know the famous AA meeting scene where Blanche brings up that Ken had a woman on a tugboat and Ken says it was a barge and they, they re kind of they have a <laughs> call back again, to that yeah. this week don't they <laughs> so at the, at the Martha's annoyed obviously but then at the bar Ken tells Martha he didn't want to rake up how he broke her heart and Martha takes great offence to this and he's she's really mad at him she says you did not break my heart you disappointed me you're arrogant and you're a mere footnote in my life story she's like your arrogance and your ego knows no bounds <laughs> like, yeah, I'm Ken Barlow yeah, <laughs> don't you, you know me have you not seen Coronation Street she storms out and um, she says you can tell Nigel that you're going to have to do without me so on Friday, Thursday, sorry, it's Thursday. Thursday, Mary comes into the cafe. She's all acting her part, and and Adam, I don't know why, being know an asshole. It's like, oh Mary, you're so great at acting, brilliant job, well done. But she loves that. She's got a bit of a thing for Adam, hasn't I she? I think Mary? everybody does. I don't know why though. He needs to wash his hair. Uh, number one, Tracy finds Ken looking pensive in the armchair. And he's like, oh, she, she's like, oh, lo- in love with Wendy. I recognise that look. Then Brian comes round and tells Ken that Nigel's threatening to call the whole thing off because Martha's in a, in a snit. And so Ken needs to find Martha and apologise. And he also needs to tell Wendy about what's going on. So Ken tells Wendy what happened. And she um, she's like, what? I don't really mind if you talk to her as long as you all that stuff is in the past. So Martha and Ken go to the bistro and they have a chat where he tries to butter her up and they talk about the fact it's been 13 years and she's like, oh, but I've had many partners since then. I'm, I'm sorry about Deirdre. Um, and then she asks him about the rest of his family and then he, then she's like, oh, if you could do everything all over again, 
would you would you do it would you try again or and maybe yeah because it, it comes up with um he's talked about amy being at university doesn't he and yeah and she's, she's like oh i wish i was 18 again yeah, yeah. and then she Life says ahead of me. would you like to try it all again and not screw it up this time and he's like what do you mean screw it up look at me i'm ken barlow i'm not a main character <laughs> i've been in more episodes than anyone in here <laughs> number one they carry on talking about what ifs and uh she says, you know what? I've been working on a script of my own, actually. Would you like to read it? It's called On Solid Ground. And it's a one-woman show about me leaving the barge. And uh, they clink glasses. And Ken's just, like, looking at her, like... She's this got no clothes you, this on. This is where I was writing the notes. Yeah. And you said, did you just see Ken's orgasm face? Yep, that was definitely <laughs> it. I was, we had to rewind it and watch it a few times, didn't we? It just to get the so proper funny. effect. Brian, and Ke- Nigel and Ken meet in the cafe later and uh, everything's back on with Martha and Mary- Mary's going to have some lessons. She's fine with all that. So um, she's very inspired and Ken goes off to read Martha's script, which Tracy catches him doing at, in the house. And uh, <laughs> she's like, you weren't pining after Wendy when I saw you earlier. You were pining after Martha. I can't believe you've dredged up another one of your conquests. And he's like, oh, I'm actually really happy with Wendy actually. I don't even care. Everything's fine. And Wendy's, um, Tracy's like, I don't, I don't believe you. And she looks at his script and she's like, oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> Ken and Wendy have a little scene where she reveals that, um, well, she's just kind of proving herself that she's not as theatrically minded as Martha. And so Ken's like, oh, I, I, I need to be with the smartest woman. Yeah, maybe, can you buy, can you make me some soup, Wendy? It's not a test, I promise, but yeah, it'd be well, fancy. How would you go about making... If I were to say Wendy... If I said I fancy some soup, would you open a can or would you make it? <laughs> would you get out the knife or the tin opener? <laughs> um, anyway, loved it. Um, this, this, you know, we, we did a cabin extra a couple of weeks ago on this, didn't we? About um, Stephanie Beecham, who plays Martha, returning back to Coronation Street. And um, for anybody who didn't watch that then, this this was the last big secret that we found out about when we went to the Coronation Street set back in August. And, um, oh, we're all out of secrets. Because uh, Ali Sinclair there, the, who was showing us around, was, was telling us the odd spoiler here and there. We didn't want to know, but then you were like, oh no, no go on, Michael, tell me. Michael, you and... keep saying that we didn't want to know, but I said I did. You, yeah, you said you did. And, and she said, oh, you never guess what, because this is when we saw the scene with Ken with Roberta, Roberta Kerr and, and, and Bill Roach acting. And we're like, whoa, it's them. And she's like, oh, yeah, you want to know something oh, yeah? more? We're bringing back Martha. And like, whoa, that's amazing. This is nothing that anybody would have seen coming, which is why I'm just that little bit disappointed that they publicised it. Um, and, and, uh, when did they publicise it? It, 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 was, it was about a month ago. They, they said, Stephanie Beecham's back. That's why we did the Cabin Extra then. Hey. And, and I'm like, oh, kind of, that would have been a great surprise. Just, oh, just imagine just how great happy. that would have been. But, uh, it, you know, on the other hand, you got, well, it's Stephanie Beecham. You don't want to, you can't hide that. And I don't know. And also. I imagine she would want you to be singing it from the rooftops that she's, she's doing it. And also, this is not a good week to debut a new character that's supposed to be a secret special surprise because it's already been uploaded on Monday. Yeah. Everyone who wants to know has seen it. Do you, do you not say anything? This is the dilemma. Do you keep it a secret on Twitter and not say anything? trying to save people from spoilers. Yeah. Is it a spoiler if it's been, you know, there's a whole, it's a whole new way of yeah. I mean, with, with annoying people. I, I remember <laughs> when, last year when the episodes were put on the ITV hub and on the whole, from the 
you know, the areas of social media that I frequented, people were generally quite good about not putting spoilers on there. I did see the odd spoiler last night about this week's Coronation Street after we watched it, so it didn't particularly bother me. But yeah, this is the sort of thing that, you know, if, if any soap is going to debut their episodes online, then any unannounced major shocks like this could have been are gonna are gonna find their way out aren't they so that's a, that's another reason why i don't want them to stay with this particular format of debuting the episodes online but anyway that that's by the by i, I completely understand why they did why they did show her but um oh that would have been brilliant if they hadn't and also we can also tell you that um the the final person who was at the TV Choice Awards the other week was Stephanie Beecham, wasn't it? We were we were when we did the uh, the fashion segment of the podcast and you talked about what the other lovely uh, Corrie stars and starlets were wearing. We couldn't mention the um the amazing red Radiant. dress, was it? I think Radiant. that Stephanie Beecham was Stephanie was wearing Beecham. that. So anyway, um, I just can I just it. say, um, I love Stephanie Beecham. I love um Martha. I also love Claudia. Right, mm. but what I really want now, because you can't ever satisfy me. Every time you give me something, I want something else. What I want more than anything before Ken sadly leaves the show eventually is a face-off between Martha, mm-hmm. Claudia, and Elaine Perkins, and Elaine Perkins played by <laughs> Joanna, Joanna Lovely. Lovely. Can no. you imagine the the beauty and elegance and grace encapsulated mm. in one scene with those three legends of British television confronting each other? That it feels like it's and just Ken, got to uh, happen. And then and then like Tracy going, Dad, how did you pull all these birds? <laughs> and then Ken going, I happen to think I'm quite a good great guy actually. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Um, yeah, he. Imagine, the, imagine how jealous Brian would be. Mm. Yeah, he'd want the tips. He'd be like, well, he, "How do you pull all these tights?" He, he, he did say that he was quite jealous of Ken's back catalogue. I think was yes. the phrasing that he used this week. He doesn't is, know the half of it. He, he really doesn't know. I mean, if he thinks that these, you know, three women or whatever are the only ones of Ken's, are the only notches on Ken's bedpost, he's uh, he's sadly mistaken. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the fact that they've got Wendy um, Crozier and. Uh, now Martha in the show at the same time there has got to be some kind of showdown between them of course Claudia was in earlier this year so is it possible could we get a scene with Rula Lanska in there as well and Elaine Perkins Joanna Lumley would well, be the Joanna cherry on Lumley the top Joanna Lumley came and did um, a, a, a she did the six. she do something she did something she into the road oh no she did she the recorded. 60 for 60 didn't yeah. she yeah, which we also did. Yeah, yeah. So just us remember and, us everybody. And, us and so yeah, we're in the same league actually. Um, <laughs> and then just to top it all off, um, they all have a cat fight, and then in comes uh, Patrick Stewart, who's also a Corey alumni, <laughs> to put the fire out because he was he was a fireman. He was a fireman, like and he'll come in with his hose and just hose them all down because they're all getting a bit too they, they need hot it, under the cub, under the yeah. collar for yeah. our Ken Barlow. There's no particular reason why I get I mean there probably is a very good reason, but I can't think of it off the top of my head why they would bring back Stephanie Beecham's character rather than Joanna Lumley's character other than the fact that it is in more recent Coronation Maybe Street memory. I don't know. Is, is is Joanna Lumley more expensive than Stephanie Beecham? I I think I she might be. Yeah, I guess so. And Joanna but, Lumley will only do will only do something if in return she gets to do a documentary about cats. <laughs> I I would love it. 
just well, while we still can, it's brilliant. I, I mean, I'm, honestly, she's she's only seventy six. That's yeah. not really old for Coronation no, Street actors. Bill Roach has just turned ninety. She could definitely do it. And I mean, the the other thing is, of course, to mention that the character of Martha wasn't that originally going to be Elaine Perkins. Wasn't the idea brought in that they were going uh. to bring back Joanna Lumley thirteen years ago for whatever reason that didn't happen? So the character of um, Martha was created so you know they're one and the same aren't they interesting fact about Joanna Lumley that I didn't know until I just looked on her Wikipedia page she What's was that? AOL's voice for You've Got Mail oh yeah I knew that one I didn't know it I remember that my, my first internet I didn't have AOL AOL yeah um, anyway this yeah great stuff do you think then that um, how, how long do you foresee Stephanie Beecham staying because I don't think that's been publicised it feels like because she probably is a little on the costly side she's not going to be here for very long so I'm I'm lapping up every second of her I can get do you reckon you know two weeks are we talking a month of Martha back on the show is there going to be enough to get a decent story out of I'm just happy whatever they want to throw my way really I, I'm assuming that Ken's head is going to be turned by her a little bit because he just can't help himself, the randy old geezer. But hopefully it's just going to be a story that makes him appreciate how much he loves Wendy. Or may, maybe it is going to be the end of Wendy because I, I only expected her to be back in the programme for a month or so. But, you know, she is nearly six months later still going strong. Maybe this is going to be, you know, he's going to go lusting after Martha. Wendy's going to be like, screw that for a game of soldiers. And Ken will be left on his own again, nursing his wounds. And, and the, the moral of the story is you'll never learn Ken Barlow. I, I don't know. I love that. I love that. You know, it's there's just something... great that they can do it. It's it's tragic, but also really satisfying to think that somebody can live as long as Ken has and just never learn a lesson. Mm. Yeah, I think that's kind of inspiring in a really <laughs> tragic way. Like, yeah, I will never learn. I'm going to make the same mistakes over and over again. And you know what? I'm going to enjoy doing it. <laughs> when I was watching. Martha came come in that first scene like I was getting all tingly and excited about how amazing this is to see her back on screen again and after we'd kept that secret for so long as well but when she started doing those scenes with Mary I was like oh I don't think I'm really enjoying this because the Martha story before was very serious wasn't it and mm. it was you know Ken yeah, who, like who's Ken always lived in mid 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 probably was crisis. midlife knowing him wasn't it yeah when he was however old it was 80 <laughs> but it, there, there was there wasn't particularly comedy to it and straight away Martha was in there going oh do your deep breathing Mary <gasps> and I was like oh no I don't like this at all oh um, I do and then, and then there was the bit where Martha's at the bar with Ken and she gets all affronted by the fact that he said that she was just good friends and she kind of flounces off and I was like no I don't want this I want there to be some proper serious reminiscing scenes and everything so I, there were bits of it on that Thursday episode that I wasn't super happy with but then when they, we, we got it in the end that scene in the in the booth in the bistro with those two just you know talking about life and reflecting on their their many years on this planet and uh, what would I do differently if that was just that was just lovely and, and remembering all the old times the, the brilliant dialogue I I loved all of that it was, I liked, it was fab I like the cheesy comedy though stuff because there was a hilarious scene when they went into uh, Roy's and Sharon was behind the counter and uh, who was it that said was it Ken have you met Martha she once set Chichester oh, on yeah. fire and, and Shona's like no, no way. way that was funny that was funny. that was particularly but, funny because we know people that live in Chichester yeah but 
the comedy. It's very posh. The, the, the over comedy, <laughs> the utter ham oh. of, of Mary's and Brian's well, to be how honest, do you... performance. I just couldn't be doing with it this week. And, and and that I was like I was glad when Martha came in and Mary was pushed to the sidelines. She what was she was ridiculously overacting. And it's perfectly in character for Mary because this is what Mary has become now. But I'd much rather they'd have played it that she was just a bad actress and she was like not emoting and I, and I get that that's not Mary but I just can't watch Mary when she's like that I think that Brian befo- with his stupid ears performing badly is the hardest thing for an actor to do intentionally <laughs> but you know what I mean there, there's there's been quite often in Coronation Street right from the very beginning there's been the, the characters are all going to put on a play and all, they're all am, amdram and they've got to perform and they've got to pretend the actors have got to pretend that they can't act and they always overdo it there's very few of them that I've and I've noted before when I think that somebody's done a really good job but it's really difficult in my mind they always underdo it as in like they just show that they're bad actors and but but Mary Patty's performance was just so so over the top and I don't necessarily blame her I'm sure that's what she was directed to do but it's like seriously you would know that this was over the top and when Ken and Byron were saying oh Nigel's gonna drop Mary if we're not careful if it was me I'd be like good because she's bloody rubbish I think he might have be blissfully ignorant of some of the depths of depravity that are on display Maybe in am. amateur dramatics. But, you know, this, this play, it seems like the only actors in it are Ken, Brian and Mary. Brian's rubbish. Mary's rubbish. I'd pay to like, see this, it. This, whole, this is going to be a comedy of errors. It's going to be a disaster on the stage. It's and. Just... And I know it's supposed to be a comedy story, but because it's tied up with the love life of Ken and, you know older romance and and all that kind of stuff so there is there is a serious edge to it the 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 hamminess of of mary and brian unfortunately bring it down a little bit for me in my opinion but i i I still and generally enjoying where the story goes they just need to rein it in a little bit and Steve's coming back. Steve is about coming back next it week. <laughs> yeah, speaking yeah, of happiness. Yeah, we got Steve. We got Tracy on the phone with him this week, didn't we? I'm saying, oh, it's you're coming back. back. On Tuesday. Oh, you, you've hurt your but foot. But what does that you? mean in the world of Weatherfield yeah, and the World knows? Cup? At some point in the next week's podcast, like, we'll talk about oh, Steve back Steve, on the Steve, you're going to be uploaded to ITVX on Monday morning at eight o'clock. Yeah, you better get on that plane. <laughs> anyway, look out for that, everybody. Steve is back. Anyway, um, next storyline, the Max Streamism storyline. I think we've spoken a long time about those other ones so far. I don't know whether how much how long these are going to take, but the Max storyline carried on on the uh, the Wednesday episode, the first episode of the week, and uh, we see Toya going to visit Leanne. Still can't believe all this about Spider. He's a massive racist all along, and she's like, she's never even knew him. She never realised this, and um, so they decide. Let's just forget all about that and have a slap-up lunch to take our minds off things. Bistro, maybe? You get to see them going and eating. You don't. Well, that means they probably didn't go to the bistro then. Maybe I want these, to see what they had. mystical restaurants. If you, go, if you ever go anywhere and you tell me, as your friend, I'm going out to so-and-so or whatever, I'm going to have a meal here or whatever, you, know, you need to send me a picture of what you ate. <laughs> so if I was Leanne and Toya's friend... I'd be texting going, what'd you guys have? Yeah, and Toya you don't have? have any friends. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> <laughs> They've got each other and that's enough. Yes. Griff and Spider are in the pub um, later 
And um, they're kind of looking at this video edit thing that Max put online and going, oh, look how many views this has had. I don't think they use the term viral because maybe they've realised that that's being maybe a tad overused on Coronation Street. But yeah, Max, Max's video is, is getting all the hits. And um, Spider's like, oh, what, what's our next move going to be now then? He's kind of digging for information from Griff. He's still remaining fairly tight-lipped about what his um, devious plan is. Uh, he's like, yeah, all, all in good time. Um, then Toya and Leanne walk in and Toya, good on her. She's like, I'm not going to turn around. I think, does Leanne maybe say, are you sure you want to oh, stay? Wanna go somewhere and else? she's like, no, I can walk into my local. Um, I, I, I've got nothing to be ashamed of here. I'm not hiding from them. she stands at the them. bar and glowers at him. She does. Um, and what did you want her to do? Just... No, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> she's like, I'm not bothered. And she's like staring at him. Leanne's like, uh, I can't believe how you can look at yourself in a mirror. How do you sleep at night, Spider? And he's like, oh yeah, I'm just standing up for this country. And uh, there, there's a few times this week where Spider kind of says some things that he knows this is the sort of thing that racists say. I don't actually believe it, but I've learnt this line, so I'm going to say it myself. And um, Griff says, um, there's a hard rain coming and you, my advice to you is to make sure you're standing under the right umbrella. And he's just absolutely violent and foul, says the same kind of stuff as he has been the last few weeks. And this is when Jenny says, right lads, enough is enough. Don't know why I've even let you in here in the first place anyway, but you're barred. Get out of my pub. Get out of my and pub. And I was thinking before this happened, why are they let alone? Why are they allowed in here? Because they had that argument with Alia a week ago, didn't they? Where yeah. they were clearly racist. Then after that, Griff does his speech in the community centre about the crayfish. And, and there's like, <laughs> why, is, why is Jenny letting him in this pub? So... Better late than never, but maybe you shouldn't have let him in in the first place, Jenny. That's all I'm saying. Thursday's episode, um, Maria finally goes to Max and says, you know what, I think you should take that video down. It makes me, it makes it look like everybody agreed with Griff at the meeting. He's a vile racist. And Max says, well, you know what, I do agree with him. He's not racist. He's just speaking the truth and telling, you know, telling it like it is and, and you know... Um, we, we need to be careful about the, these people. And he also says to her, like, yeah, you can keep your nose out of my business and jog on. <laughs> Which I loved, Max telling Maria to jog on. Um, Griff reads all about, um, they're back at the flat later, and he reads something online about her wanting to turn the community centre into this refugee hub or, or wherever it's supposed to be. And, and all this fellow racists are there, and kind of mumbling their discontent about the idea. And but this is again when Spider's like, yeah, I can't believe the community centre is supposed to be for our community and they are being used for this. Is, is this the sort of thing that I'm supposed to say, Griff? Yeah, yeah, down with down with black people. And Griff says, you know what, Spider, you speak a lot of sense. You <laughs> can help me stop it. Let me have your chips. Oh yeah, he does have his chips later on in the episode, doesn't he? Maria and Gary are talking over this idea about the, the community centre over lunch in the bistro. And he says, you need to go over to that centre and see what you reckon you could do with the place. So they do, and nothing really happens there. And it kind of segues into a, into another play scene, doesn't it? But Maria's scoped out the joint later. Later still, they find Max and Spider handing out flyers outside of the... Uh, was it Max and Spider? No, it was Griffin Spider, wasn't it, I think? Handing out flyers outside the community centre, saying that Maria wants to close it. And Maria's like, no, what are you talking about? They're kind of saying this is supposed to be for our community and now you're shutting down those services to serve 
that this, you know, these outsider communities, and Maria's like, no, no, I don't want to cut anything to the local community. What I'm offering here is extra. She kind of gets a bit in a bonnet and storms off at being once again accused of not caring about the locals. Um, and then they see Max, and he's kind of scurrying down Victoria Street, kind of trying to keep his head down. And but they, they go over to him, and he's like, I, I, I'm just trying to, yeah, I'm trying to get my head down at the moment. David really riding me, and, and I need to keep him sweet. And Griff says, oh, oh, really? Well, you know, I, I, I thought that I had some kind of bright, talented guy in the, that I just enlisted here. So, well, whatever. Probably didn't use the word enlisted because that sounds a little bit um, uh, what it actually is. And uh, I thought, yeah, I thought I thought you had a mind of your own, Max, in your head. Was I wrong? And, um, and Max is like, oh, yeah, no, actually, you're right. Um, so back at home, Griff and Spider have a reflect back on the day. And, uh, and how it all went. And, and Griff said, right, I, I've had an, uh, we, we need Max. He makes these awesome videos that literally nobody in Weatherfield could do. We, we, we I reckon that he needs a new family because, you know, David and, and Shona, they're not good for him. I reckon he needs to be a member of our family. And Spider's like, yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, let's, let's do that. But um, it's the end of the episode now, so maybe we'll leave it until next week. So, <laughs> um, so what, what what are their plans for Max then? Is it literally they're going to try and... What's, gonna, the, what's the phrase? To, to indoctrinate make, him. Yeah, they're indoctrinating him and making him reject his family. It's, it's quite like what Jeff did to Yasmin, isn't it? When yeah. he was turning against the support that Alia and yeah. that was... was so, Alienating him. Yeah, so, so it feels like, yeah, that's the natural place for this story to go. And I know some people are still saying this is going far too fast and I'm not saying you're wrong. But um, yeah, maybe in the next bout of this storyline, because that was um, that was the Thursday episode. They weren't in the Sunday episode at all. So maybe the story's having a little break for a bit. Um, they're I'm going s- to get Max to move out of David's house and, and join them. And, and David's probably going to be fairly powerless to stop him. I'm really interested where where Toya fits in with this. And is she is she still going to be on the periphery of this storyline or, or what? Is she going to uncover something about Spider that makes her realise what his predicament is? Or mm. just, I just find it very that I find that quite interesting because uh, you know I'm very interested in Toya as a character and I don't want to see her get sidelined. No, it, it was nice to see on Monday's episode she was still they still featured her with her saying, "Well, I'm 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 over him. I I'm can't believe." Yeah, but that almost, to me, felt like it was a way of saying we're parking Toya until the revelation comes that Spider is an undercover police officer. And that, to be honest now, could be a very long time away. They don't seem to be in any rush to uncover that particular secret. In a way, it's it's kind of good for the future relationship between Spider and Toya that they broke up now because that means that there's less opportunity for Spider to have to lie to her about what he's getting up to. And yeah. she might be able to forgive him when more time has passed. She doesn't like liars, though, does she, she does Toya? Not. I mean, she, Imran was, um, had a penchant for porkies. So um, if she finds she out... Yeah, watch out, Spider. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think that they will get back together again. I, I really hope so, and I think so. But she's can, not going to forgive him easily. Canonically, now a, a murderer on Coronation Street. Yeah. I think she is, isn't she? What was it? No, no, because she was well, no, tried she, for murder, wasn't she? But yeah, actually, but she wasn't, but wasn't found guilty, but I don't think that means that she, she wasn't. She wasn't found guilty because 
the t- the trial was saying that it was premeditated, and she's like, "No, I didn't mean to do it. I just decided to just do really it off to. the cuff." And they're that's like, how, "Oh, that's all right then. That's how we'll I let order, you go." That's how I order things off the internet. So yeah, everybody... it's never premeditated. <laughs> Don't get me started, but yeah, everybody kind of accepts that. Toya... What on me? What on get you started on what? No, 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 on Toya and 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 the the whole ridiculous notion that yeah, she. Everybody does kind of accept that she did kill Imran on purpose in the moment because she just kind of lost it. It's one of those heat of the moment things. It's like saying, you know, if a teacher um, smacks smacks a a child. Like, you know, when Ken punched Aidan Critchley back in in the day. Oh, I didn't plan it. I wasn't sort of sitting that's part of my lesson plan yeah. part, 10 minutes Look, give you a little it. introduction then I'm going to do this then after that I'm going to punch him in he wasn't any of that Aiden just wound him up and Aiden. Ken lost his job for it Toya's just <laughs> been like pat on the back off you go I think Toya should uh, drive Griffin to a wall I am very very unhappy with what they're doing with that I don't, I don't want to talk well, about well okay alright right, I won't bring sad. up any sad memories yeah. for you but um no this, this story is fine I mean there wasn't a whole lot of of movement to it this yeah, week was it's, it um, it's uncomfortable to watch I mean I have to say I've seen quite a lot of comments on online about how I, f- I feel like I'm a bad person because a lot of people are like I can't watch it it's too bad well I've seen lots of people saying that but I'm also seeing lots of people saying this is ridiculous it's not realistic at all no. so I think there's a bit of a balance but yeah uh, so I think they're I, doing I a good job I think they're doing a good job as well there's, there's very little that I'm going to watch and feel mega uncomfortable watching because I'm not that sort of person I'm a, I'm a bit of a hope stape when it comes to all that kind of thing psychopaths but, um, we're both psychopaths as we've said in previous podcasts this, this is my well, favourite story well sometimes something while, catches you doesn't it and uh, it really it really gets you hmm um, I guess, you know, again, I just feel very lucky that this isn't something that hits home to me in any, in any way, yeah. you know, I yeah. not, don't hang around with racists and I've not been victim of any racism. So no, oh, it's, but it's, this is why it's an important storyline for Coronation Street to, to make people aware who think that there's nothing like this that goes on. Mm. But actually, it, it does. And Sometimes bands play music with sinister lyrics. Sinister. Right under our noses. Can't believe it. Yeah. Um, I, I hope that even if it's a, if this story is being parked for a little bit, I hope we get to see a bit of it before Christmas. Don't I love go, a bit of Christmas racism. Don't, don't leave it too long. You could isolate so many clips from this podcast and ruin us forever, Ugh, couldn't you? Don't do it. Um, anyway, but speaking of stories that that never seem to stop, and you know you can't have a much of a break before there she is, she's back on again. Summer, Gemma, I'm afraid to say. Summer. Over to you. Let's Do you know? Summer, summer. It occurred to me the other day that it takes ten thousand hours to perfect a skill. So if you want to like learn how to play the piano or something, or you know, be good at karate. Yeah. You need to put in 10,000 hours and then you've mastered it. Have we, have we mastered podcasting yet? Have we no. got 10,000 hours worth under our belts? I think Summer's mastered the art of being an insufferable, boring pain in the ass because she's been <laughs> doing it for longer than 10,000 hours. What do you think? <laughs> I, how long is 10,000 hours in, in years? That's a really good question. Maybe you could work it out you, while oh, I... Yeah, okay. 10,000 hours. So on Thursday, Summer's a bit jealous because Amy's, Amy's um, doing her university work isn't she and I've forgotten what it is that she's learning who is Amy yeah but business is she business Summer's jealous because she wishes she could be a SWAT again 
Because I think a lot of her self-esteem came from being clever, and now she hasn't got that to Yeah, she hasn't, and you can see how she's acting in the factory. Like we said, she's calling Carla Miss and everything. She doesn't... She doesn't know anything she's outside floundering. of she's education. Got no, she hasn't got any idea what to do at her job, really. Hmm. Um, she feels a bit sick again, because don't forget, she's pregnant. Summer turns up to work a bit late, and Jacob's held the fort. But Carla discovers that he's been covering for her, because she was late, and tells them both off and gives them a warning. Um, 10,000 hours is 1.142 years. So she's, so she's easily managed She's like that. a grandmaster. Yeah. So uh, Carla's come down a bit later and she unwarns them, just like she unsuspended Beth. Mm. And Jacob tells Summer she's got to take it easy. And also she won't, Summer won't tell Carla that she's pregnant for some reason. Well, she doesn't want any more people to know than is strictly necessary, does she? Because she's, yeah, she, uh, she doesn't want to have this baby selling scam. scam Summer comes back from work later. She's knackered. She's got... Stuff to do from the from the factory. I don't know why she's bringing work home with her. Carla's given her home. How much do you think she's on? She can't be on more than minimum wage. Why would you take work home with you for that? She just. It's not really like she wants working. to make a career out of being a, an admin in in the knicker factory. I don't. Calm know. down, Summer. Jacob offers to do it for her, and then somebody else makes her some beans on toast or something, and she kind of sits kind of contentedly as they... Sam had a nice plate of cold beans around. on toast this week, Oh, it was so they? funny. There was a, yeah, there was a bit where Sam was sitting in front of his beans, and then Nick comes in and says, are you ready to go? It's like, Nick, you're awful. You're the worst parent ever. <laughs> he hasn't even started eating his lunch. What do you mean, are you ready to go? It did look very much like they just emptied a tin of beans straight onto some toast, didn't they? Yeah, you know how much a can of beans cost these days? I bought a can of beans the other day. one pound eighty-five. Wow. With the ones with nice sausages in them. I love those. (laughs) On Sunday, Eric's getting out of rehab. That is Aaron's dad, who they raised the 10 grand for so that he could go to um, overcome his alcoholism. And it's a one and done, apparently. I'll believe that when I see it. Summer seems a bit more interested in worrying about work than she does about Eric. Um, Then Sarah's... This weird thread in this this, um, episode where Summer and Adam see that... The local in, butcher has sent out his Christmas cards early. Yeah, and so they both get inspired and they want to start sending out cards. And there's a bit where Adam says to Sarah, yeah, I need to get mine out, of course, without Imran's signature on it. And I'm thinking, well, yes, because he's dead. <laughs> I know. Why would you send out cards with a dead man's signature on it? How would you get it unless you've got an e-signature for him? Weird. Anyway, um, so Sarah says, oh, we should send out our, our Christmas cards. Is this a dig at us? Because we send our Christmas cards out today. We do. We did. We sent out our Christmas cards to Coronation Street today. Well, at least one person should already have theirs in their pigeonhole. Yes, we, we sent one out last week and we sent the bulk this week. So if you're in Coronation Street... Look forward look to forward that! Look forward to that. And if we haven't sent you one, sorry, we couldn't send one to all of you. Well, if you want one, ask us for one. We'll send you anyone Come on Christmas the podcast cards. for an interview. Yeah, it's only for VIPs who've been on the show. So Sarah's like, oh, Summer can do that. And Carla says, no, you do it yourself. What's that about? I don't know. Eric comes to the flat and and he has to do this thing that I guess is part of his recovery where he tells them he's an alcoholic. And Summer says, well done, which I just thought was very awkward. Because I don't remember if she's ever met him before. Yes, she has. Okay, but he says, all right, if I can get through Christmas, I can get through anything. Which I think also, this guy's being set up to fail so badly here. Why? 
Well, first of all, they're they're acting like you can go through re- rehab once and it is definitely going to cure you, which is too much pressure. Number two, he's he's going to find out at some point what Summer and Aaron have done, and it's going to shock him. Number three, Eric and um, S- Summer and Aaron's plan later is to escape and and leave everyone behind and hide, which obviously we I haven't got to yet, but that would screw with Eric. And then finally, he's he's come into his period of trying to stay sober right at the beginning of Christmas, which is the worst, booziest... Yeah, that's what you're like, saying, All day it? long, on every channel, are just endless adverts of people pouring Baileys into glasses full of ice or drinking wine around a Christmas table or setting Christmas puddings on fire with lashings of brandy. I don't know how anybody could cope. I mm. just wouldn't be able... I don't... I wouldn't be able to stop drinking over Christmas, so how could an alcoholic? Oh, you need to have a word to Peter, he'd be able to help him out. Peter's like, do you know what I like to do? Drink a glass of orange juice. <laughs> with a bit of rum Yeah, in. has Eric heard about orange juice? <laughs> Maybe it's going to change his life. It'll that's be a all he needs. i tell you what, the orange juice at the Rover's return is just the best. <laughs> <laughs> so, Summer's impressed. Um, no, it's not Summer, is it? Sarah. So, so Michael, as we know, is an entrepreneur and he makes a reference to the fact that he got in trouble about some kind of copyright with his t-shirts at one point. So he's now relaunching his business to include matching loungewear for adults and children, which is, of course, an amazing concept that nobody's ever thought of. And Sarah sees this and she's very impressed by his sketches. So... Well, this is, I guess this is why the, we had that scene earlier of Carla saying, no, Sarah Louise... Summer won't do the Christmas cards, you're going to do it. So it's because Sarah's feeling a bit underappreciated and a bit well, of a dog spotting. Like, yeah, she's being treated like an idiot, yeah. which is quite a, quite a coincidence, a considering that she is one. So later on... Um, later on, the Aaron... <laughs> Sorry, these notes don't make any sense either, do Aaron, they? Aaron, Summer and Eric are talking... About the babe. And no, about, about did the They money. talk about the abortion, but they're talking about the, the money. Where He's like, where did the money come from? And they tell him that Billy gave it to them. Oh, yeah, the money for the because rehab. Because they thought... he They told him that they were going to pay for a car. And then Eric's like, well, what are you going to do about buying a car? And Summer and Aaron are like... Duh, um, uh. They've really not thought this They're through. so stupid. They're so dumb. Yeah. Why didn't she just say my dead dad left it to me and leave it at that? At least they're, they're young and they've got a reason, not like Leanne with That's her true. many years of business experience blundering into the <laughs> deal that she got landed with this week. This is another one of Coronation Street's filtered night sh- shoots, which is actually shot during the middle of the day. <gasps> that was... I hate it. Michael just really didn't like it. really this. winds me up. Whenever they put a dark filter over something that's climbed, uh, filmed in the middle of the night. It worked all right in that scene earlier this year with Gary in the woods, didn't it? When it was supposed to be pitch black. That was fairly effective. But when they want to show kind of dusky times on Coronation Street, they just stick a filter over it's it. Like, it's like, oh, the moon rubbish. is blinding today. Mm. <laughs> so, anyway, sorry. Sarah's going. To, Sarah's decided she wants to go into business with Michael on the down low. Not tell anybody at, at the factory. And they can make a fortune together. Back at the factory, someone's worrying, Kel surprise, about the lie that they told Eric. And then she explains this to Jacob. Jacob's like, what are you... If I was Jacob, I'd just slap her. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'll solve your problems right now. I'll just give you a big old slap <laughs> and then bring you to your senses. Because she hasn't told anybody and she hasn't even told Billy. And he says, everyone's going to realise you can't put this off. They, they keep, she keeps thinking and realising this, doesn't she? Can but I just they're not say going one thing, any further though, with her thought. I, I do sympathise a little bit with, with Summer here. 
And I think that it's very easy to sort of judge her from my position of being a woman who, like, if I got pregnant, it would be fine. But I do remember being a girl, a young girl, and worrying about that kind of thing and thinking about how would I hide it? How would I, like, you know, telling everybody that you're pregnant is a big thing if yeah. you're as young as she is. And it was hard enough to go through the whole thing about wanting to have a termination. Mm. And the idea that you can just... I think a lot of people forget that a lot of our problems, we do just put off and not tell anybody about them. But pregnancy is one of those things that you just can't really can't really do. But yeah. the, the, mental, the mental issue about trying to hide your problem doesn't, isn't affected by the fact that you're pregnant. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you but still have that same urge to, to just leave it and not think about it and try to hide it from even yourself. And unfortunately it doesn't work when you're pregnant, but that doesn't stop people from doing it is what I'm trying to get she, at. The thing is she's got the added complication of she doesn't want people to know she's pregnant because she's planning to sell the baby. I know. Which hopefully most of us don't need to uh, to, to have if we're, if we're worried about that kind of thing. I know. I just feel bad. I think that there are probably a lot, a lot of women who might be able to sympathise with this really incredibly self-harming concept of trying to pretend that you're not actually pregnant when you really are, mm. and thinking that you can like it's magical thinking, isn't it? And, and a lot, and everyone indulges in a little bit of that every now and then. That's why we play the lottery. <laughs> so she's like, maybe, maybe there's a chance that. I could be one of those women on I didn't know I was pregnant and uh, just give birth in the toilet and nobody knows that I'm pregnant. <laughs> Maybe I'll be one of these women where the baby grows into my torso and I just look very slim the whole time. <laughs> so he says, you need to tell Billy. So she goes home and tells Aaron, I've got an idea. We're not going to tell Billy. We're going to move. Good plan, Summer. That is the best plan that I've heard you say. Yes, Aaron do it. says, well, this is dumb. We've, we've just moved in here. This is ridiculous. Why can't we just tell everybody? Why can't we tell the truth? And then Summer brings up the point that if they tell everybody about the baby, Esther and Mike will get in trouble. And then they'll have to pay them back the £10,000. So it is a logical dilemma that she's in here. Yeah, it is. It's, it's not one of these made-up ones where it's just like, can you just stop being an idiot and you could literally solve all your problems instantly if you just stop yes, being... Yes, they have got themselves into a bit of a You know, nickel. it's not like Sean being homeless where he just needed to wave a magic wand and he'd be fine again. Mm. At least this actually makes sense. Yeah, it does, it does. Just so, like so and, then, and then we also get the scene where Sarah and Michael are showing Adam the designs for the loungewear and... And he he's impressed, and then Sarah reminds Michael not to tell Carla, which will obviously go Ooh, very can't well. Can't wait to see what's happening there. I mean, yeah, I like Michael Bailey. I quite like Sarah if they give her the right things to do. Um, this this story where somebody sets up a side business feels like it's been done numerous times before. It feels like it's been put in there to give Michael something to do if rather want... than to make an exciting story. But maybe I'm wrong. If they really want to jazz up their loungewear, they need to ask Ali if they can borrow her special embroidery machine that she bribed yeah. her granddad for Get Nina involved as well she's an awesome designer yeah she did she bribed Sharif didn't she yeah because she knew about his affair and it was very very important and completely un revolutionised underworld and then it never got mentioned again yeah. and we don't even know where the machine is now 
<laughs> um, right, Maybe finally. it fell on Rana's head. <laughs> finally, we've got the Eliza Dulots story, which is just Wednesday's episode, and, and Stu's still fretting. It was very much the same as last week, wasn't it? Him being all the sixes and sevens about, oh, how do I look after Eliza? How do I make sure she's having a perfect life here? How do I be a great granddad? I've never done anything like this before. And Yasmin's like, chill, Stu, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Um... Alia goes off for the first day at her new job, which we don't get to see any of, and Stu's a little bit miffed because before Alia leaves, Eliza comes down and says, oh, can, can Alia take me to school? So Stu's feeling kind of like second fiddle here. Um, and, and Yasmin's like, don't worry, she's just like, she's just a cool older sister. That's what I think when I, I think, think about Alia. I think Alia is um, coming into her own with showing off to Eliza about like lounging in her beautiful satin white shirt on <laughs> on Sunday's episode yeah. was um, it Wednesday's Wednesday's episode um, so um, Stu goes and takes Eliza to school comes back seems to go well the school run but Stu's like oh, Stu's like oh I think I jabbered on too much um, oh well, what's she going to think about me uh, and then he's like anyway I've got to make a nice casserole for tea now um, I need to show her that her days of being let down are well and truly in the past time for tea later and um, after all the effort that Stu went to, sad times, Eliza doesn't really want to eat too much because she's got gymnastics club later and Stu's like, I didn't have any idea about this. And, you know, I know he's trying to bend over backwards for Eliza here, but there's got to be a bit of give and take and really Eliza or somebody should have told Stu about her clubs that That's she's what in. I was thinking, like, she, she was a, a kid and she doesn't get that she needs to tell him everything. But how did this... Nah. If I was Stuart, I'd she be like... She's bright enough. I think she should have really mentioned it. I know, but kids kids are not... Yeah. Um, I, if I was if I was Stuart, I'd be like, no, you don't have gymnastics class because this is a big week. I don't... I don't you know, I'd be like, I'm not taking you to gymnastics now because I'm tired and I've taken my bra off. And, it, <laughs> and it's <laughs> at school as well. Oh, it's nearby schools. So we have to do the run all again. She, she goes can to I also just say school. add as well on the bus... Yeah, he, he hasn't got a car, so he's got to take her on the bus everywhere. Yeah, so he comes back later. This, this episode is just Stu going out and then coming back again, and going, "Oh, right, that, that." Yeah, this is this is the old we don't want a child storyline on Coronation Street because most of it is who's going to babysit yeah. the kid, and oh, I've got to take the kid to insert class here. Oh, I've got to take the kid to school. Oh, I've got to pick the kid up from school. I know it's. I know it's real life and it's hard and tedious, but it's also hard and tedious to bloody watch it. <laughs> um, ba- basically, Yasmin's just saying that maybe we need to enrol her into into Weatherfield High School here, and Stu's like, "No, she, I don't. I don't want to ruin her routine. She goes to this Catholic school. I, I'm fear for her immortal soul and everything." Yeah. So, um, how will not, she get to heaven? I hear that they have children going around with hammers at Weatherfield oh, High. The they there. probably don't do up. that. At um at Saint Monica's or whatever it is that she's going to, so um. Well, yeah. no. The other point is that um Stu, after having taken Eliza to gymnastics, has now got this list of all the things that she has to do. That's why all she's the clubs, Eliza do lots. All the clubs. So he's put a little thing up on the wall, like this is what this is all the stuff I've got to do all week, and then this is when Yasmin says, you know, this is a bit too much to, to take on. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you send her to Weatherfield High so that you don't have to at least do the school run and you can concentrate on everything else? And he's like, no. And I, I kind of see his point where she's had so much upheaval 
that it would be unfair for her to take her out of her school and away from all her friends because I think I'd be devastated if I was a girl. If she's, a, if she's really enjoying it there as but, well. But at the same time, looking at that list of stuff, and I'm like, yes, I'm 40. Stu, I don't know, is he 60 or something? That made me tired. I don't know if I was 60, what I'd feel like. And I had to do it on the bloody bus. Yeah. Get, get Alia to do it and also Dan. Like, it's oh, too tiring. I can't be bothered. I can't even done. imagine it. How does the, how do children have so much energy? <laughs> they, they summon it from somewhere. It's all that lazing about they do at school and they should be working. I think that we should harness this power to solve the energy crisis. <laughs> and with that, we have reached the end of this week's Street Talk. Gemma! Mm-hmm. What score are we giving Coronation Street this week? And who was our character of the week? But for me, the only character that I could give this to this week is Debbie. Because Aww. I thought she was so fantastic. Such a spitfire. I think she's great. She's hilarious. She causes so many issues. I, I like the I like a good old-fashioned Corrie antagonist. Coronation Street's been a bit reluctant to have one of those for, for a while. And um, I'm really... I want to know what she's going to do next. I hope this is not sort of a phase out of, of Debbie. Mm. I can't believe it will be because I think she's there, popular. Isn't it? But, she is, I think she is. Um, so, and I also want to give this week's episodes um, four, four pairs of ridiculous ears <laughs> so we all get some and some left over. Um, I'm, I'm going to give it to Sam this week just because I was so, so impressed with those prison scenes and it, it could have been a bit cringy but it wasn't and the, the way that he kept on pushing he knew exactly the right things to say um and he was you know making all his notes and everything i i, I just i enjoyed everything sam did this week so he was a very easy character of the week for me um score wise i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it three and a half I think it's similar to last week. There were there were downsides of it. Like I wasn't too fussed about the stew stuff, obviously the summer stuff. But then that wasn't that wasn't too much to the week. I loved the Martha um, side of the story, but Mary and Brian's overacting just oh, drive me insane. Um, and and the hope stuff was fine. It just wasn't like as epically exciting enough. We didn't see the hammer attack in action. And maybe a bit of uh, of hammer carnage would have would have raised up to a four. I don't know, but three and a half is still is still good. I, I'm feeling positive about Corey at the moment. Three and a half will will keep me satisfied. So um, I think with that, are you ready to move on to the cabin? Has there been any are. news over the last few days? No. Yes, there has. Oh. Time for the cabin. Right, news time. There has indeed been a little bit of news over the weekend since our last episode. Top of the bill is that Sue Cleaver is now out of I'm a Celebrity Gemma, third person to leave the jungle this year. So um, so, so finally we can stop talking about her. It's only been a few weeks, to be honest. But um, yeah, Sue is no longer there. Third person out. Um, if I, I, We didn't see any of her on it, apart from that one scene we watched a few weeks ago where she was talking about, um, about becoming an actor, did we? But yes, I, and her also about adop- being adopted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was all together, wasn't it? From from what little I can glean from reading about her online, she didn't make herself hugely popular. Apparently, she was accused of being a bit of a bully and a bit of a bitchy bitch about um about Matt Hancock. Um, well, for goodness' sake. Yeah, I know. 
But I don't know, She maybe she didn't go too down too well with the viewers. But you know what, she came out, she was happy. I've seen pictures of her, she was beaming as she was leaving the jungle. So I'm glad that she, I'm glad that she, she felt that she got what she wanted to out of the experience. She, she says, I had the ride of my life. Um, I'll never forget it. So great, good, good on you for doing it. So, so giving it a try. And um, we'll just have to wait until next year to see who is up. Um, speaking of um, reality TV stuff, um, Strictly Come Dancing is still going. Corey's representatives, Kim Marsh and Will Meller, are still in, still in it. They are getting on through. I mean, this is by far the best that a pair of Coronation Street um, ex or actors have, have done. Um, so yeah, good on that. I, I, Rebecca did send me their scores for this week. I haven't copied them into this. I do apologise, Rebecca, but thank you for sending it. But what's something I did spot on the news today is that Kim Marsh, she's had a bit of strategic COVID, Gemma. She has tested positive, so she's not going to be performing in this weekend strictly. So she gets a free you, pass you into the week after next. So she's going to be chilling at home. I hope that she's okay. If you get From it my for experience the finale, of COVID, do is, you win? Yeah, maybe. If you can't make the finale, you automatically... Uh, yeah. Hooray! Yeah, I, I, your experience I, of COVID, I hope that she's not feeling bad, but... Um, you said your experience of COVID. Oh, yeah, no, I was saying with my experience of COVID, I, I, it didn't affect me too badly, did it? I was no. like, I just felt ever so slightly ill, so I hope that that's how she's feeling. And, I hope she um, feels a bit ill. Yeah, well, just so that she doesn't feel too bad about skipping a week of, uh, of Strictly. Anyway... Good on you, good on you, you, you two for still making it through. Keep flying that Corrie flag. Um, next up, somebody who is not flying the Corrie flag, <laughs> Charlie Lawson. Oh, what? Jim McDonald. Um, he's he's been um, talking to the star this week, and um, the headlines that came out there was he reckons that Corrie could be cancelled within ten years, so it could. He, Anything could be cancelled. It, it does come across a little bit like he's he, he's maybe just a bit miffed that he's not been invited back there in the last few years. And to be honest, with, with Beverly Callard now having left the programme and, and no signs of a return for her, um, uh, Liz McDonald, on the horizon, maybe maybe that is it for Jim and Liz. No, as long as Steve's in it and Amy, you know, his granddaughter. There, there is always the potential, but um, it feels a lot less likely that Jim's going to come back now because I they've also got to have Liz. His his um, outspokenness on, on Twitter might have a bit to do with it as well. Yeah, and on his radio, his talk radio. And he's a lot of what he says, I feel, is, is kind of diametrically opposed to a great majority of Coronation Street mm. actors and, um, and oh, behind Denise the Welsh scenes. is loving what he's saying. Yeah, I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not making any judgment about what he's saying is wrong because you can make that judgment for yourself if you want to look at what he what he says. It's totally up to everyone to decide what they think. I'm just saying that I, I don't think that many behind, especially behind the scenes people, I don't, I don't know if they'd be too happy to... No. Because they, the thing is about it is that they've got to tread a bit of a fine balance sometimes. And I know that Coronation Street stars have been in trouble for the stuff they've said online. 
And I think that a lot of what he says probably would get him in trouble. Mm. And I also think that if you tried to tell Charlie Lawson what to write on Twitter because of a, an acting job, he'd tell you where to stick it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think they think that they could control him if he was on Corey. No. And I have to say, I mean, I, I have, I've interviewed Charlie Lawson once and I really, really enjoyed the experience. I remember being a bit nervous before, before <laughs> chatting with him. He's a bit he intimidating, was, isn't he? He can come, you know, but he wasn't to me. He was really, really lovely. I, I really... I, I, he's I a charming it was man. Great talking to him. It, it, he's got it a lot was. of interesting opinions. Yeah, and yeah. he he, hold, he holds them very strongly. Mm. And he, you know, he spoke positively about Coronation Street back then as well. But I mean, the, some of the things that he was saying on the Star just uh, over the last few days, it, it's it's kind of maybe a little bit Bernie Bridgish um, because he he oh, said I hate Bernie Bridges. He, he said. Um, I was there in the 90s for 11 years and we were getting between 16 and 20 million. And 5 million viewers now is not a lot. In 10 years, who knows if we'll even have a coronation street. We're all changing our viewing habits as it is already. Do I think it was better in the 80s and 90s? I would have to say yes. That's not the cast's fault. It's very hard when you've got 70 people and 6 episodes to do in a week. Yep. So, I mean, he's bringing up he's the viewing wrong. figures. But he's not wrong there. The stats say, don't lie, but, you know, what? Right. If you, It's all very well to say, oh, there's only 5 million viewers now. Used to be 20 million, blah, blah, blah. Yes. But if you look at the charts of what is the top show on Corona- on in television, Coronation Street is always there. It's always hovering. Yeah. In, you know episodes will always be yeah, and, it's, and it's and it's still higher than the other soaps exactly, exactly so the only way i think that coronation street would be finished in 10 years is if all soaps died mm. and Emmerdale saying... has overtaken it a couple of times but yeah. really it is still coronation street is always up then i remember back in the 90s because i used to be i used to look at the viewing figures a lot more and and it really was very neck and neck between coronation street and, and eastenders and yeah. eastenders is just bottomed out you can't get any now. you can't get many people to watch anything these days no so I don't think that's a particularly strong argument I mean where he's saying it was better in the 80s and 90s not the a cast's fault a lot of people fault. are going to agree with him there. yeah a lot of people will agree with him there I'm not saying that I disagree and we've also either, agreed, but I'm not trying to get a job back on there again agree with him that. about you know 70 people and 6 yeah. episodes a week very difficult mm. you know and uh, you know sometimes when we we, we criticise Coronation Street and probably Charlie Dawson would say a similar thing I feel like when we talk about Coronation Street, I'm doing it from the perspective of like a super loyal friend who will tell you what you don't necessarily want to hear. That's what you this know? podcast does. I'm going to tell you the truth about what I think and you might not want to hear it, but sometimes you might it might benefit you <laughs> to listen to what I say. Yeah. But I I am a ve- I feel very very intensely loyal and fiercely fiercely protective of Coronation Street. Mm. Um and uh, I think that probably what Charlie Lawson's saying here is coming from a similar place. I mean, it's it's anywhere. If you spent eleven years there and it was such a big part of your life, it is. It's gonna it's gonna have a special place in your heart, isn't it? And I think there's got to be some yeah. some loyalty there. And, and the fact like... that he kept on coming back—that's the yeah. thing with Jim, isn't it? He was he was in and out for every couple of years for a, a good decade and a half or so. And it's not like he's saying, "Oh, I hope it fails," and I hope no, it's gone in ten I mean, years. The the headline saying it could be cancelled within ten years. Well, actually, if he's saying. Who knows if we will have Coronation Street? Well, it's that, again. This is how we've been twisted. Yeah, in the that's press. just he's at, it's actually kind of saying nobody knows. Again, I, it will I be agree gone. with him. It's possible, and this is the thing that will always haunts us. 
when we talk about the future of Coronation Street, we always feel a bit concerned about, you know, how, we yeah. really, really want it to carry on. I don't want to ever see the end of Coronation Street in my lifetime. It can, it can end just before I die, that's It's kind fine. of dumb to think that that would, you know, is a realistic thing, but yeah. it's gone for 60 years. Yeah. I don't see... Like you said earlier, I can see it being the last soap to cling on. I mean, if, if Corrie goes, then surely by that point, Hollyoaks... There's no way, there's no universe in which Doctors survives. (laughs) Just imagine that, the last one. (laughs) And Neighbours on Freebie is still going. Yeah, that's And Freebie's like, I'll just buy buy Coronation Street as well. How about that? (laughs) Anyway, anyway. Don't like to think about the ending. Do you or do you not agree with Charlie Dawson? What do you guys think? A lot of people I know that are listening will say that Coronation Street's fallen off the edge and they don't like it anymore and they think it probably should end as well. So I, I don't think that he's going to be... You don't really want it to, do you? You don't really. You don't really want don't to. Really. Um, <laughs> just this weekend, we had the beginning of the Christmas light switching on. And I'm when not just talking about a... Sally Carmen's lounge. But, but um, in, in the in the uh, New York, New York bar in Manchester's Gay Village, which I know we've talked about on the podcast before, a very famous um, and well-loved bar in, in the in the, in the northern quarter. There. Never been, quarter, Maybe, I don't know. When are we going to take We them? have never been there. We have heard of it. They had some Coronation Street stars switching on the lights just this past weekend. So Rob Mallard, who plays Daniel, Tanisha Gorey, who plays Asher, Jodie Pranger, um, newbie to the cast, Glenda, and Dolly Rose Campbell, who plays Gemma, were there, having a good laugh. There's some pictures there, and... Um, that's news. They can come and switch on our lights next if We're they want gonna to. We're going to get our Christmas tree. Well, I did see... Uh, I mean, Sally Carmen... Uh, did we mention that on last week's no. podcast? We, she loves a bit of Christmas, does Sal. And she did put some decorations around the house. We saw on her Instagram last week. Is it Instagram On stories? today's Instagram, she she has gone and got her Christmas tree. She's been able to, she's been able to persuade Joe, hubby Joe, to, um, who plays Tim, to, to, to get the family Christmas tree. So, um, yeah, all, all good and Christmassy. Shay, Carmen, Dutteen. And um, well, I, I guess it'll be Christmas. our turn soon as well. I've got to decorate my classroom um, on Friday because it's the school Christmas fair coming up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I'll get me getting out my tinsel myself. <coughs> and, oh, good, where does that come from? Finally. Oh, she's got some really nice decorations. I know, very tasteful, Carmen, well done. There's a nice kind of retro deers there, like you get on the front of um, Baby Sham. Um, finally, talking of Christmas, we're all, all about the Christmas like this She does like a stag. She does, doesn't she? Oh, I love Christmas. Corrie Tor, we did mention a few weeks ago, maybe it was last week, they're switched from the Horonation Street onto the festiveness. Well, the celebrations all start this Sunday, 27th of November. So um, if you want to be the first to see what's going on with Christmas in the cobbles, get yourself some tickets. They're still available. Sad, we're too far away. We were actually looking into the potential of going up to Manchester again, um, but we can't make it work. Um, But anyway, on this Sunday, they're they're kicking off the Corrie Christmas thing. They're doing Carols on the Cobbles in partnership with Smooth Radio with live performances from The Overtones, Jackie Graham and more. Should we go? And I've never heard of The Overtones or Jackie Graham. As far as I know, more could be the name of a band as well. Could be. But I'm presuming not. Various artists. Um, Various, yeah, people will be playing here. And it is apparently... 
if you believe Corrie Tor, the perfect way to spread Christmas cheer. So this is um, this is not just fun for Coronation Street fans, it's raising money for charity. So Globals Make Some Noise charity will be profiting from this. So if you're in the area, if you like a bit of Crimbo, if you like Coronation Street, which I assume you do, you might want to um, consider putting down 35 of your good English pounds to get over there on Sunday. And as always, I say, tell us what's going on. We want to see pictures. We don't hear very often from from Conversation Street listeners, do we? Who go to the tours or go to the horror, uh, go to the Star Tours or anything? But I assume some of you Please do. Please write in. Tell us, send us your pictures. I'm really interested. Make us jealous. We want to go there, but we live too far away. It's so far. Far too far in Manchester. We need to and bring Coronation like, Street no, down here. The the trains and the buses are just ridiculous. Yeah, it's like extortionately expensive. To go up to Manchester. Why is it not possible? Why can I not commute mm. in my job? I'm but, going to get a job know, in Manchester. We'll, we'll be there, there next year because the visitor centre is going to open. The, the precinct is going to be available to, to go and see. So no doubt we'll see it next time. But um, yeah, can't, can't quite well, make it. schedule it in, well, don't unfortunately. we? Anyway, that's it for the news. Let's do some feedback. Feedback time, and uh, we still got a little bit of feedback. Of course, Rebecca and Nancy have sent their thoughts on last week's um, Coronation Street, as they like to do. They knew that we were recording this episode early, but before we get to them, we have our average score for last week's Coronation Street, and that turned out to be 3.98 out of 5. Pretty good score, Gemma. Nearly four out of five. They like last week's Corey. We, what we, we, gave it, we gave it three and a half. We said it was a good week last three week half, too. Um, Rebecca was one of my top picks on the Coronation Street, uh, Conversation Street book, fa- I can't even speak, Facebook poll. She gave it four splashes of Howard's fishy aftershave out of five. Uh, Michelle, I also enjoyed your suggestion of four beads being twisted out of five. Spider reference. And uh, Richard was my pick of the week. He gave it five, that is right, five Five. invaders blocking up pipes and that. (laughs) Out of five. (laughs) Thank you very much, everybody who was able to get their votes in since last Saturday. You didn't have very long to vote this week. If I had a tap in my house that I could turn on and make fresh seafood come out of it, I'd never go to the shop again. I love seafood. You have a hot tap, a cold tap, and a quagga muscle tap. Mm. Do you want <laughs> Just... any crayfish? <laughs> you just be there. Suck, you uh, no, dip your head into the sink. No, you have to clean it first. Uh, you don't I want don't dirty crayfish. That, uh, a dirty, dirty crayfish. <laughs> Especially not those Eastern European ones. No. Right, Rebecca says... I'll go into the study and it'll be there at my computer doing my job. <laughs> Quagga muscle doing your What episode. are you doing, Quagga muscle? <laughs> Get off my laptop. <laughs> Rebecca says, great to see the Max story front and centre. And I really enjoyed Griff's talk due to the controversial undertones of it. Oh. I thought Max's video was more menacing due to the edits and I applaud whoever edited the video together as the two different pieces put together makes it even more menacing and like you said makes Roy look like an idiot I loved we didn't have any of Roy this week did we didn't make an appearance I'm gonna say maybe he did I don't think he did but no everyone else wants the video taken down Roy probably doesn't understand how the internet works so he's not even seen it um I love Griff offering Max and Lauren cans of pop when David turned up at the racist den. And I know David isn't the brightest, but he was also a teenage boy once. Also, I felt for Darian, especially the attack scene and the bit where he was reading the home office statement to Maria. However, I agree with Michael, he could be killed as collateral damage. Toya and Spider, 
Um, like Michael, I assume you said you mean like Michael said, not I am also doing this, Rebecca, but Toya and Spider, like Michael said, are breaking my heart. And I completely understand why Spider is doing what he is doing, but I also want him to tell Toya the truth so much as I'm sure she will understand. Are you, Rebecca? You think Toya's going to understand that? What do you reckon, Gemma? Is Toya the understanding sort of going, oh, of course, it makes sense. You're an undercover cop. Toya will say, I'm going to take some time to digest this. I won't say anything I'll regret. (laughs) I'm going to go away. Definitely won't fly off the handle. Calmly and sensibly. And I'll talk to this with my sister, who is also similarly, similarly... incredibly cool and level-headed. <laughs> um, I'm leaning towards Spider leaving at the end of this story. Um, him and Toya made up, but she knows she needs to learn to trust again. I also think Spider might get caught in the crossfire and die, leaving Toya to learn the truth in that way. I don't, I cannot see, I cannot see Spider dying in this. That's just misery wallowing and piling it on Toya to the max. I can't see her current and previous partner dying but it wouldn't surprise me if he left fire i just i don't want to i don't want to stay forever um the bernie story was fun but i feel glad it has now come to an end i've loved deb being so cute towards bernie and their tales of evening bubble baths annoying the twins is making me laugh so much i also wish we hadn't seen the end of fern either but maybe she could pop up from time to time in prison to annoy bernie oh Oh, and yes, the lottery win party scene also annoyed me, but it was worth it to see Deb hamming it up with a party hat on his head. I think we were all just secretly annoyed that we wanted to win 18 yeah, million yeah, pounds. The Debbie story was also short, but I enjoyed it, and I hope that Nick and his friends having main shares... No, oh, no, Nick and, and Leanne. Nick and Leanne, sorry, I skipped a line. Nick and his friend Leanne. Nick has got no friends. <laughs> Nobody has friends. And I hope that Nick <laughs> and Leanne can buy the bistro outright. Better than Uncle Ronnie and his friends having main shares in it anyway. I also laughed at Gemma's Mr. Monopoly impression. Thank you. It did sound like him. Alia again <laughs> didn't annoy me as much. And I think she could help Dee Dee. Speaking of Dee Dee, I think Adam might be sniffing around her. But hopefully she will give <gasps> oh. him the brush off. Oh, interesting. I don't see that at all. I hope not. Well, this is Coronation Street. Mm. So glad that Stu and Yasmin made things official and that Eliza is now living there too. I thought she was the same age as Sam and Hope or even a year older. So she could hang around with them. Um, I guess she must be because they said that she could get a place at Weatherfield High, didn't they? Yasmin, I mean. Oh, I don't know how she. old children are. Oh, yeah, especially not when she's dressed up in that posh school uniform. Um, where am I? I thought, although, like you said, I don't think Hope would want to hang around with Eliza. Speaking of Hope, she's brilliant, and I loved her telling those two girls she was doing a signing and reading of the books at lunchtime. I also love Sam's reaction when she showed him passages of the book. Character of the week is probably Max again, although I did enjoy Griff's performance, and poor Darian broke my heart. Oh. I'll give the weeks four splashes of Howard's fishy aftershave, out of five. Thank you very much, Rebecca. Mercy. Thank you for getting it in in time for this week. Everybody well else, you've got a week to get your feedback in now. I guess it's going to be about the same time next week that we record yeah. our next instalment. We've got Friday nights off for the next month. We Who do. wants to go we and have well, we, we, drinks? We thought that we might go out for dinner this Friday night. I was so excited we? when I heard that we would be able to do something on Friday nights for the next month and then I couldn't think of anything I wanted to do getting paid tomorrow we might actually go out on Friday now it's like wow what should we do should we go to the New York New York bar oh yeah no we said get in the car hop in the car drive up there drinky poos me and you (laughs) 
Nancy. Yeah, the world's our oyster. I it is a bit, isn't it? Yes, I kind of just want to be playing on a Pokemon game, though. But I will definitely. I've got a new game. I haven't even been able to put it in once. Have you downloaded it now? Um, no, I've got it on disc. Oh, wow. Um, oh, oh, I forgot I was going to say something. Before we get to Nancy, I was going to say something. I've been watching The Handmaid's Tale. Hmm. And it occurred to me, we were talking about right-wing fundamentalism and how does it actually fit into oh, yeah. environmentalism. And there is no... People sort of saying, oh, there's no link between the two. I can't see how left-wing politics isn't in- inextricably linked to caring for the environment and and stuff and it occurred to me that obviously the entire premise and this isn't really a spoiler this is like built into the show all the way through the entire premise of Gilead which is the fictional right-wing fundamentalist Christian state that uh, lots of America has turned into in the show um, is incredibly pro-environment and um, cleaning up uh, the waterways and getting rid of pollution and chemicals and everything's natural and you're not allowed to mm. to use yeah chem- chemicals and things even though everything's a chemical um, and it's supposedly put um, that's one of the reasons why they have a higher birth rate because in this fictional world of the handmaid's tale um, people are having difficulties having babies and it's quite a struggle to conceive mm. and they put the success of Gilead down to its environmental policies and it just occurred to me that it's a quite a famous and very high profile uh, fictional story yeah. that I think a lot of people have forgotten that element in it and it kind of relates a little bit to you know Griff and, and that lot about how they perceive their role in protecting the environment and what what it means. Yeah, yeah. So it just goes to show you there are different ways that right wing politics feed into mm. or like, you know, anti be racist immi- in many ways. It's so many different and unique ways to be a racist. <laughs> yeah, I just thought I'd say that because um I, I it was really bugging me that I couldn't really think of any other examples apart from Hitler. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well known vegetarian. Just like Joanna Lumley. Yeah. Coincidence? Ah, yes, a bit of a coincidence. That's why they have not voted back under Coronation Street. What, Hitler? <laughs> <laughs> right, Nancy has written in, says, David stepped up and told Max how he felt. He asked him, if he treated Max like an adult, would he stop seeing Griff? Max said, no. This is when David said, you better find some new mates then because you're not seeing him under my roof. I think this caught Max by surprise. Max is conflicted because Griff has actually intimidated him. I feel that more of the street will be drawn into the storyline like Dev, Jenny and Daisy. Dee Dee will get involved at some point. One of Griff's mates in the Rovers commented he wished Daisy was behind the bar. Daisy may get attacked. Maria and Gary were wonderful listening to Darren's story. It is possible Craig will find out Spider is working undercover and it will lead to Toya finding out. Interesting. Yeah, because when Spider goes to the police station, he is at Weatherfield Police Station, isn't he? It's- it's strange to think that their paths haven't crossed. Do yeah. you think he has to go in like with a bag over his head or something? Oh, like yeah. Or yeah, you know when they when well, they snuck Ollie every... Farnworth into Coronation Street when they had the uh, the secret scenes of Andy <laughs> in the cellar. He's like, oh. hide him. Hide him under the a thing sheet. is, every time they brought Spider in, it's been for a reason that there was plausible. Yeah. That's true. Criminal it doesn't, activity. It doesn't just go and hang out in the, the police you know, canteen, does he? If if uh, Craig burst into an interview room, yeah, it, it, was, it would up. just look like he. Well, it would just look like. Oh yeah, 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 normally yeah. He's being I interviewed. If if I was Spider and I wanted to be properly undercover, though, I'd just dig some tunnels. Because he's all he's all about that, isn't he? 
Big in tunnels. Oh, literally undercover, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm a bit this is slow. A, should, a way to get to the police station without... Thinking quite literally there, yes. Yeah. Isn't he homeless now? Is he living with Griff? Yeah, he's living with Griff. Okay. Don't worry about that. I'm not worried about it. He's hanging from a I web know in the corner of the room. Spider's very Spider. good. Very, very good and resilient. Yeah. Toya and Spider will get back together. Toya did not feel comfortable speaking to Spider in front of Griff. Lauren could get hurt. Roy's business could get robbed. I doubt Griff will support Max financially if Max had to live with him. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, how much does if he it really keeps cost? Him sweet. I loved how Gemma cornered Howie and got Fern arrested. I would love to see more of Fern. I loved how Dev commented to Bernie, she does not look like you. <laughs> <laughs> it is wonderful that Yasmin and Stu are together. I do think it would be good for Eliza to live with Stu and Yasmin for a while. I think Didi and Alia will make a good team. Do you think that... Do you think that Alia and Didi are going to uncover some more about Eliza's parenting. What do you mean? The thing is... Oh, about, about the, the truth behind the attack on Charlie. The thing is about it, right, is that Stu is very good-natured and trying his hardest, but he's really struggling with Eliza, and I can't see it getting any better. Mm. So I wonder whether he would actually be grateful if uh, Bridget got released because Lucy was actually the evil genius mastermind who really actually killed mm. Charlie all those years ago. Mm. So, um, although it would, it, I, initially I would have thought, oh no, I don't want that to happen because Stu would be broken hearted if he couldn't live with Eliza. I think he'd actually be relieved, <laughs> you know? So maybe, um, Alia and, uh, Didi could, uh, Maybe that, that will be what proves Alia deserves to work. Maybe. At I mean, I wouldn't be surprised as well, now she's got the law on her side, that she's somehow involved more in this in this spider story because she's been there with Darian, hasn't she? Yeah. So yeah. Is she going to get involved in uh, yeah, if, immigration if, law? If Dee Dee, you know, has got, is, is now a lawyer there, is she going to go to the police station and find Spider? Or That would be interesting, know? wouldn't it? Yeah, would although you... it would also feel a little bit like, you know, that the big reveal comes when T.D., who has nothing to do with the story... And is a new character. ...is like, hello, I'm just in here. Oh, you're a spider, you're another cover copper, blown the whole lid off the thing. That would feel a bit, uh, yeah, unsatisfying. Well, we'll have to see how it pans out. Um, she says, it is hilarious that Tyrone and Fizz have no idea Hope is reading the book. I hope that... I love that Hope sees John as a hero... I give this week's episode three and a half Chanel handbags out of five. The character of the week is five. It's fun. <laughs> character of the week was just fine. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Nancy. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Whenever you're listening to it, because um, I think this is going to be released now on Wednesday morning. This is going to be very um, tough. But some people are going to be listening to this on Sunday night because I they know. can't. It's going to be there tempting people. Oh, it's going to play havoc with our download numbers. Oh, I'm sure we'll survive. I'm so Gemma. glad we don't care about stuff. No. Um, so we've got a, we've got this week's bonus podcast. We know what we're going to do to it. Usually Tuesday night would be when we record our bonus podcast, don't we? But I guess maybe we'll either do that tomorrow or Thursday now but it will it will be out by the weekend we'll we'll try and keep up with a street talk podcast and a midweek podcast every week but oh. we'll just have to see how it goes because it's uh, yeah it's, it's a, a lot of work when it's all at once yeah it, 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 it it's, is it's been all last night and all the t- tonight mm. Mm. And I obviously it's not it's not any more work than it normally would be. It's just all together, and yeah, I don't know if it's together. And I... is it better like this to sort of get it out of the way, or is it more stressful because it's know. like 
I, to me, the worst thing is just like we're not now going to be able to watch any more Corrie until Monday and I may have forgotten what's going on by the time it comes back again. For me, the thing that annoys me the most is that I can't tweet. Yeah, I know. Well, and we I said can't we didn't want talk to rant online at the beginning and of this, stuff but... with people and it feels like the community has kind of been destroyed a little bit. Mm. Well, not a little bit, just completely. <laughs> Yeah, because there's I mean, no community the, feeling of there, there are enough together. people that are watching it when it's on that hopefully threads will will appear on our Facebook group. But yeah, you're right. The the live tweeting and everything is um. Yeah, by the time we can start doing that again, who knows if the Twitter will even exist? Mm. It doesn't feel like it's going away now. I think that was just a little bit of a scare over the weekend, wasn't it? It was just everybody enjoys the drama. Basically, yeah. And that's why there will always be soaps. Mm, and what yeah. a great way to end the episode. So, um, Gemma, how might these fine folks contact us should they wish to share their thoughts on this week's Coronation Street? Email us at conversationstreet at gmail.com. And if you're Elon Musk and you're listening um, and you would like to buy out... Conversation Street. How much, how much would we get? It's cheaper than Twitter. <laughs> you can find us on conversationstreet.podbean.com. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can also score us on Spotify. And everyone's been quite generous there. I think that. Oh yeah, I always forget that. If you're listening on Spotify, and I know a lot of people do, it's just because I don't listen to podcasts on Spotify. But if you know, if you are and you haven't clicked that, is it a five star thing? Go on, give it a click Yeah, I think our, our trolls haven't followed don't, us. Don't give us there. four, give us five there. Can yeah. you leave reviews on, like, Google um, podcasts as well? I really don't know. Oh, I wonder if, on Amazon you probably can. Just review us anywhere and everywhere you can. So yeah, we're we great. Need, we need the... Please. Ego strengths. <laughs> yeah, we do, we do. We're on Instagram. We are on um, Facebook. Join our Facebook group. It's lovely. Everybody is wonderful there. Um, we're on YouTube. I'm going to be putting up another um, classic character profile in a couple of days, probably. Um, and don't forget, we've got our Patreon. Um, oh, the, the end of the month is drawing in. I feel that at some point in the next week, we'll be doing our November Patreon episode as well, or whatever that will be about. Still haven't decided. Anyway, that's it. Three hours down. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, and... I, th- I think that's all, Gemma. Um, you, you, you're eagerly looking on your phone there. Anything particularly you want to you want um, to share? Please do review us on Amazon if you get the chance, because we've got a bit of a crap review on there, which is not very nice to read. So oh, if really? you would like to go on to Amazon and uh, give us a nice review, that would be quite a nice Christmas present, oh. and I will accept that in lieu of a £75,000 piece of woodland. Deal. Okay, I, we, we have, I've just had a look at this review. Sorry, time has passed, but only a little bit. We ended the podcast and I said, let's have a listen to this review business, this poor Amazon review. And um, yeah, two stars from Canadian Sheep Farmer. And this is our only review on Amazon. And um, it seems to be more a review of me than a review You've of only the got two podcast. out of five. I got two out of five. Um, I will read this quite proudly. Um, 17th of March, Canadian Sheep Farmer. Hello, if you're still listening. Um, These are two very strange people. He is supposedly a primary school teacher, which raises a lot of questions. He weakly reveals his ignorance on so many subjects alongside his encyclopedic knowledge of Coronation Street. Thank you very much. He seems very proud of his ineptitude on any practical subject. He's extremely amiable. That's nice. But sadly, I think he would die in the midst of plenty if anything ever comes along to challenge the suburban lifestyle in Britain. She is something else. Yeah. You're something else, Gemma. That's what I say about you all the time. Um, I don't think that's a compliment. It's 
definitely is. Their relationship is fascinating, like a road accident that you cannot remove your eyes from. I'm hooked. I'm getting mixed messages from Canadian sheep farmer here. Well, at least I'm amiable, so that's one thing. And, and I, yeah, encyclopedic knowledge of Cor uh, Coronation Street, that's fine. Um, I am fairly ignorant of many subjects, that's true. But um, I don't think that means... I don't get it. The only mention of Coronation Street in this review is says we were very knowledgeable about it. So so why have you why have you given two stars and you've said you're hooked? Anyway, everybody, get on Amazon. <laughs> get us a proper review. <laughs> don't give us two stars. Push that Canadian sheep farmer down. And um, yeah, definitely shout out to Canadian sheep uh, sheep farmer if you're still listening. I, I find that entertaining too. Right. Um, that's ends it there then. Thank you very much for listening. See you later this week for a bonus podcast. Goodbye. And the music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Oh, oh, oh.